again so quickly should we should we give them a little explanation of what we mean what we mean by that oh my god yeah so so basically we recorded this very podcast with this exact same topics about two days ago um and then and then um we were basically the audio fucked up and we only found that out in post so what we're having to do today is try and do a redo of that podcast with the same level of enthusiasm with the same jokes maybe and then the same topic. So, you know, excuse us if we sound a little bit tired. It's just, you, there's only so many times you can have the same conversation. But at the same time, we felt bad that you guys haven't had a, po- a podcast episode in, like, two weeks. So we obviously we couldn't just fuck it off. We have to, like, deliver, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, to- it's totally all the, like, shit is on my end as well. Because, like, um, we've, we're trying new kind of recording methods. Um, we're both using uh, recording the audio on our ends on GarageBand. And it turns out when I did the recording on my end, it included a bloody metronome with recording <laughs> that's just ticking away in the background, which is fantastic. I'm not going to lie. I've showed everybody in my family so far. I'm just like, look what happened when you tried the recording. Because they were like, why are you having to do it again? And I was like, listen to this. And they're like, that is unlistenable. Like, you you absolutely can't use that. I was like, I know we can't use that. I'm very well aware we can't use the <laughs> metronome playing in the background. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even that's... sure, like, how many people actually listen to this, but God damn it, even if it's just one person, I'm like, I, I don't want to do that to someone. Because there was a few weeks ago where um, when we did one of the records, so we've tested a fair number of uh, recording methods over the last few weeks, guys. Um, because obviously we're we're living, we don't live together, so we're having to do these podcasts over the internet. And there's only there's so many ways that you can record over the internet, but there aren't that many stable ways. Mm-hmm. So we've tried a number of them. And uh, like a few weeks ago, for example, we had like a really good podcast going, but every single time um, one of us spoke, uh, it would have like a weird shuffling sound in the background. And we were thinking of different ways to try and circumvent that, and now we're now we're in this situation where the whole thing just went kaputs. Yeah. So let's go for it one more time, hopefully. Yep, let's take it straight from the top. <laughs> Shall we just dive straight into the news? We shall indeed. So this is the news coverings pretty much over the last two weeks, mm-hmm. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. So let's go for it. Um, so first of all, uh, which is now a little bit more outdated than we even recorded the first time, even though it was outdated when we recorded the first time, um, this whole GameStop stock exchange thingy, like, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't explain it very well the first time, and I'm still, again, not explaining it particularly well, but a, a bunch of Redditors got together and, um, and, and worked against the shorting of the GameStop stock and raised the prices to an incredibly high level to the point where, like, hedge funds were going out of business. And I'm not going to lie, it was very funny. But it's also funny that it's involving this... Like, it involves GameStop, who are the the parent company of game, and it's just like a a shopping mall game store which is going out of business, and all of a sudden they're at the centre of this giant, um, like, 
economical um, economics changing event in history is is pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like put it this way, I think economic students will probably be learning about this for like decades to come. But it's just incredible. Yeah, they've managed to just increase the to stock price by in, like some insane, ridiculous margin, like a thousand percent or something. And a lot of people have made a fair bit of money from it, which is quite surprising. But um, I've been keeping an eye on the stock um, quite actively for the last uh, week or so. And Mm. the high point I saw at was around 300, and now it's taken a massive dip and it's currently at 66. So I'm not sure if it's just a kind of market kind of evening itself out or not on this uh, particular one. So the crazy thing is that, like, as you said, because it's plateaued, it's plateaued because the clearly somebody at the very top of the chain, um, they they told the stock trading apps that you need to get your shit together, otherwise this industry's going to crash. Mm-hmm. So, like, Robinhood, for example, in America, they stopped trading of those specific stocks, which is technically, from what I understand, illegal. Yeah, that's, like, totally against the whole <clears throat> free market kind of thing, The isn't whole it? principle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so there's now a class action lawsuit going on against Robin Hood because they can't legally do that. And um, and even like politicians in America, like uh, I saw AOC tweet as well that she was, they're going to get involved because, as, as I said, like it's not, I'm pretty sure it's not legal. They're not allowed to do that. So they're basically, they're basically um, create, like creating a manufactured loss of demand. Oh, definitely, yeah. Which... Yeah, which which is <laughs> obviously you you can't do that. That's basically the same as insider trading. Basically, yeah. From what it, I understand, the, the weirdest thing is you've got um, politicians on both sides of the aisle kind of coming together on this matter, and you've even got like Ted Cruz <laughs> like chiming in his support, which is super strange. Did you see the exchange? Yeah, the, the exchange. Between that exchange AOC between and AOC and Ted Cruz was so funny. It's just like, oh yeah, he's like, yeah, and I agree with her. And she's like, you tried to get me killed a couple of weeks ago, so pipe the fuck yeah, down. I'm basically. not working with you. Any, anyone else that you <laughs> tried to get me killed, I'm happy to work with them. I'm like, top two <laughs> saying that because it, it's got to be said. Man, amazing, honestly. Good old AO attack on Ty Tortez. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so, what, what else has been in the news? What have you been looking at? Um, so, uh, not only have we had the stock exchange thingy that went on that, you know, we may have ham-fisted the explanation twice now, um, the, there were also an even more corporate changes at Konami recently, um, and from what I understand, it's screwing their business, like their games business over even more. So, for people who don't know, Konami effectively left the gaming, um, the, the game development industry in 2015 where they they basically restructured and they became focused more on like their their pachinko division um and they're now they now have like a bunch of dormant ips which aren't being used for anything so such as metal gear castlevania silent hill um etc the only games they now released on a yearly basis are the pro evolution soccer games and what what i find really funny about this and also incredibly sad is we've got um We've got a company who are basically, like, said, fuck you to the fans. And now you're getting the fans, like, for example, with Bloodstain, where the fans are now pitching together to try and make the spiritual successes a uh, a thing so that we're not feeling lost too much, which is why I'm not um, as bitter about Castlevania anymore now that Bloodstain does a thing. Um, we made a joke last time about the word pachinko. 
<laughs> and and how the word pachinko, when you say it out loud, it kind of sounds like a racial slur. Yeah, so Konami are like really big in the manufacturing of the uh, pachinko pachinko gambling machines in Japan. Oh my god, damn it! Does that word just sound like it really really intolerant slur? <laughs> it does sound like something you're not meant to say out loud, like you damn pachinko. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like something you, like a, you, a, a ninety year old would say. If you preface anything <laughs> with the with the words you damn and dirty. It makes it sound. It makes it sound like a slur, there, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's 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 more how you use it. But even then, like if if I just went up my pachinko, that wouldn't come across very well, would it? No, no, it probably wouldn't. <laughs> but uh, interesting enough, I've been like looking around the uh, Konami kind of cultural reshuffles in the news, mm-hmm. and I've been seeing articles on particularly on Eurogamer there, and where Konami are insisting that it's not kind of shutting down its game division despite these internal restructures. So they seem despite to be the adamant fact that they to haven't like, released... uh, portray this image of not actually shutting down and basically closing these divisions altogether. It's very strange because they say things like this, but then they, their actions speak louder than words. They haven't actually released True. Um, games like, in absolutely ages. And it, it, Besides, like for example, uh, the Castlevania Legacy Collection and things which they're using their old games to make money all over again. Um, I don't know, man. Like It is, it is pretty sad. Um, I think in terms of the IP they have, like Metal Gear had its conclusion. I think there aren't that many people who think, oh, yeah, we need another Metal Gear game, um, or, or rather a continuation of the story. I think Kojima got what he needed out of it. And we've got Kojimo Productions, so if they wanted to make like a spiritual successor, they will. Um, but they seem to have moved on as well, uh, as you saw with Death Stranding. So I doubt, I doubt we're going to get anything like Metal Gear for a while. But it's not like we don't have our abundance of stealth games. Um, as I said, Castlevania. We've got Bloodstained as a sort of spiritual successor. Um, I, I'd be, I'd be super happy if Castlevania came back, obviously, because then they could use the like the actual names, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like you'd be able to fight actually Dracula and yeah. not, um, not, not Jebel. <laughs> um, and, you know, it'd be cool to see where the law goes and, uh, I don't know, it, it's sad, but at the same time, I'm not completely left in the dry. The people who I do feel bad for are Silent Hill fans. Oh, yeah. I think it's fair to say. I think they got the worst end of the stick when it comes to it. I mean, uh, the, the closest thing they had to a new game was the uh, the playable teaser, which came out in about 2014-ish. Uh, so... Effectively, it was like a demo that they released where you you go through a bunch of hallways and it's super terrifying and uh, it's called Playable Teaser, but then when you get to the end of it, it reveals itself as being Silent Hills. Mm -hmm. Um, And what was cool about this is this game was actually done, it was going to be directed by Hideo Kojima and uh, he was working in cooperation with Guillermo del Toro. So, So, like... Just putting that together, it sounds amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, Especially with Guillermo del Toro like and those, horror those two and like wow, together, it just sounds like an incredible collaboration, doesn't it? it? Like imagine getting the gameplay mechanics that Kojima is like known for for being the auteur of, yeah. and mixing it up with like the visuals of something like Pan's Labyrinth. That'd be insane. <laughs> That'd be something that sounds so cool. I hope. I hope. That maybe, I don't know, maybe those two can collaborate for like a Hellboy game or something. <laughs> that would be so badass, man. I love those Hellboy movies. The first two are incredible. <laughs> Me too. That's why I'm like, yo, if, if maybe if they get together, they make a Hellboy game and like you're playing as Hellboy in, in I don't know. In, in, maybe, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Maybe it's like Hellboy's version of Death Stranding or some <laughs> shit. 
<laughs> I mean, like, um, going back going back to the, the kind of corporate reshuffling side, um, it's interesting mm-hmm. to say like see that Konami have been insisting they're not shutting down its game division. I'm like going back mm. to the kind of GameStop kind of stuff. You can you can maybe think about the implications would have on their stock if they actually did announce that this was a basically a shutdown of their game division. And and that's the thing. It's like this is ultimately where they where they were like they made their name, so it's sad to see where it's gone. Yeah. Um but as you said, like they wouldn't outwardly come out and say we have shut down our games division. It's just their actions speak louder than words and the fact that they haven't released like a new a new video game that isn't Pro Evolution in a really long time kind of suggests that they're not particularly interested in where the money isn't. Because besides Metal Gear, um, from what I understand, their franchises, like the main franchises, are still ultimately niches. Um, Metal Gear is fairly mainstream, but like Silent Hill and Castlevania, I I love them, but I will understand that like the average gamer might not know about them or the average person might not know about them. Even despite their legacy... I understand, like, people might know Silent Hill because of the movies, um, and they might not know that it was actually based on a video game. Just like, I think, like, just like Resident Evil, to be honest. I mean, yeah, that like... They are I, niches. I think your average gamer probably, like, like myself, probably wouldn't have played, like, either of those two games, like you said. Hmm. Um, they're certainly titles and IPs that definitely have a core following more than anything, aren't they? Yeah, especially Silent Hill. Like, they... The way you get people to to be continuous fans is to continue to release games and when you've just left a franchise in the lurch for so long so the last Silent Hill um, like the last mainline one was from like 2010 and I think it was on the Wii and it absolutely bombed Mm. and um, I can't remember what it's called it it was really bad though and and basically since then they've just not bothered they actually made a Silent Hill HD collection but they botched it and they gave the um they gave the code to like a, a foreign company and they didn't give them the complete code so they had to like fill in the blanks and yeah it's like really really bad basically yeah i think the uh the Wii game was called shattered memories was it shattered memories i think is a remake of the first game there's it's um it's silent hill but downpour i think is what it's called um that's the Wii one which bombed and basically like killed the franchise so, so many, so many bad memories. Um, so I guess moving on to our next piece of news, uh, there is a a Super Mario edition of the Switch that's come out, and uh, it's red and blue. And we brought this up last time by talking about the Monster Hunter World Pro Controller. Yeah, I mean, in comparison to, like, comparing the Super <laughs> Mario edition of the Switch to the Monster Hunter... Like the Monster Hunter one yeah. looks super cool, super sexy, super sleek, super well, uh, beautiful, really. And compared to the Red and Blue feel, Mario, it's just like in the League of its own, isn't it? I feel sad because like all of my enthusiasm for how sexy that controller was, it was was expelled the last time we did this recording. And now I'm like, yep, it's still really sexy, but I'm just not feeling like talking about it as much. But it's really, really nice looking. Like I'm not, I'm not planning on getting the new Monster Hunter, but. That controller is so, like, sexy. It is a very sexy controller. It's, like, got a wolf on it, the, the wolf that you play with in the game, and it looks so fucking cool. It looks it looks amazing. Like, I'm super tempted by it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I think I will get it, especially because, as we found out recently, and I think this segues quite well into our next piece of news, so um, Nintendo are being sued again for the Joy-Con drift, um, by, this time by a Canadian firm called Lambert Advocat. Yeah. 
and um, basically it's on behalf of a bunch of Canadian people uh, in Quebec and they want to get compensation for the Nintendo Switch and the Nintendo Switch Lite and as I found out for the first time the Pro Controllers so apparently the the sticks on the pro controllers can also drift which we found out recently and that has terrified me um i've had mine for two years it hasn't shown any signs of wear and tear but now i'm like i'm scared for it like i'm looking at it right now and going i'm 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 now aware of what you're suffering buddy yeah that's the thing like i've been playing mostly the use of the controller uh, the pro controller because quite frankly that controller does feel amazing in your hands doesn't it but I'm kind of It's high. the I'm, best controller I've ever had, yeah. I think, is the best I mean, way like, to put it. Now playing with that controller, I think I'm going to be acutely aware of what could possibly go wrong. And I'll probably be in, like, more sensitive to, like, subtle changes that anything of, that does happen to the Joy-Cons, I think, on it. Well, ironically, I... But I was like, oh, I'm going to focus all my effort in playing on the Switch on the Pro Controller so that I can spare my Joy-Cons the drift. Yeah. And now knowing that I was only contributing to the drift of my Pro Controller, which, yeah, I don't know. It's like, Nintendo, we love you, but you fucking get your shit together when it comes to this kind of stuff. You're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Mm. And it'd be super sad to see your um, special, edi- special edition controller to basically suffer from drift, wouldn't it? Yeah, man. That sexy Monster Hunter Pro Controller doesn't deserve it, you know? <laughs> yeah, but uh, what else has been on the news for you? Um, so you can see, uh, you, I think the last few items are all on you, buddy. Cool. So I've been looking at some Nintendo news, and I've seen that Levi's, the jeans manufacturer, are releasing a Pokemon collaboration for this month, on the 15th. And <clears throat> I don't know if you've seen some of the items, but they are quite actually, they're actually quite cool. They seem quite hmm. uh, 90s inspired. There's a particular shirt I have my eye on. And yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out on the fifteenth. I, I think he, I think there might be a few things you might be interested in too, actually. They, they're, they're super cute, and I'm quite quite into it. I didn't know Levi's do more than jeans. <clears throat> oh yeah, they do. They do have things, shirts, what have you? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I thought you when you were just saying now. I was like, you know, as much as I love Pokemon, I don't want like a jeans with like an imprint of Pikachu on my butt. I, I <laughs> mean, that is very much one of the ladies' jeans items. <laughs> I was about to think, because I was like, Amrik, um, I'm pretty sure you're looking at women's clothes when it comes to that kind of stuff. Hey, we, co- we covered the Animal Crossing um, collaboration a few weeks ago, and I was super sad to see all those clothes were just for women. Do you know what, though? I remember my friends telling me back in the day that they used to buy, like, ladies' jeans because they, they fit your, your form a lot nicer, and I'm like, that kind of does make sense. I still haven't ever given it a go because I don't generally wear jeans. Yeah. But I don't know, man. Like, if they have some really swanky jeans with Pikachu imprinted on you, but okay, right. If it's Umbreon, then I might consider it. <laughs> no, so strictly speaking, um, it all seems to be um, Gen 1 Pokemon. Oh, okay. Um, well, then I guess Muck. I would like Muck <laughs> on my jeans. I mean, they've got everything from the socks, to, like a little outfit that looks, that looks quite Misty inspired. Um, huh. They've got a t-shirt, jeans with Pikachu down on the thigh leg, jackets with Thunderbolts. It's it's quite interesting. Okay, cool. I'll give it a look. It a I look. mean, you know, I do I do want some new clothes, and I mean, even if they don't look very good, we're inside all the time, not like anybody sees them, so fuck it. <laughs> I, I think the star of this uh, collection is definitely the Pokemon jeans and jacket, which have this yeah. uh, green Pokemon print all over it with uh, Gen 1 Pokemon. 
It looks insanely... I don't know how else to describe it except for gaudy, and I want it. Okay. Yeah. yeah check, check it out if you okay. get a chance. It's very interesting. And you should too, listeners. The more we buy these kinds of things, the more that we can get them more often. And also, the more we encourage you to buy them, the more likely we're going to get a sponsor. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, consume. Consume. We, we implore you, consume. Um, also on my radar, I've been looking into some Breath of the Wild news. Um, apparently, a mm-hmm. uh, leaked uh, pamphlet uh, with some details relating to the game have, has been uncovered. Uh, basically, the location of where the trailer takes place has been fir- confirmed mm-hmm. to be the Zonai Caves. I'm not sure if you remember the Zonai Caves. Do you at all? No. So are, these, are those the caves that are, like, as you wrote, beneath the Hyrule Castle, so basically where you get, like, the shield, the Helian shield? Bas- basically, yeah, just below just below those dungeons is the Zonai Cave, so it's been confirmed that the trailer actually does take place way, way, way below uh, Hyrule Castle. Okay, which, which so is, I guess they're, like, exploring catacombs. Yeah, which which is basically and... what everyone was th- was thinking, but it's nice to have that kind of confirmation there as well. Yeah, and this sort of plays into the, I think it's going to be set after Age of Calamity thing, because that is where they defeat Ganon, and I guess it makes sense that his court. So we, we haven't yet got, like, a, a Breath of the Wild dwarf. So it'd be interesting to see, because it'd be cool, as much as... I think Calamity Ganon was an interesting idea. Like, I still prefer him having a physical form. Oh, definitely. <laughs> that, you, yeah. that, like, actively antagonizes you as opposed to being, like, a... Because Calamity Ganon feels more like a, an evil concept than he does... It, it feels like a cloud that just follows you, and it's like the Calamity... The Calamity Ganon is, like, the, the thing that we experience rather than the, the antagonist who actively goes yeah, against think, us. Like, I, think, I, yeah, I have... In, that. It, in some ways... It being what it is kind of detaches itself from some of the kind of evil, if that makes sense. It doesn't, it doesn't mean yeah, for a satisfying I, boss is what I'm trying, to, uh, trying to say. I have more issue, like I have more personal angst towards Windblight Ganon than I do towards Calamity Ganon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in terms of, like Windblight is such a dickhead. But whereas Calamity Ganon is just like, oh, well, you know, it's a cloud, it's a concept, it's not really a... It has no feelings. Whereas Windblight, I'm like, you know what, fuck you, Windblight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely I really agree. don't like Windblight. I really don't like Windblight after both... I, it was my least favorite boss in Breath of the Wild, and then I hated him even more in Age of Calamity. And I'm like, man, this uh, this guy just really wants me to hate him. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, I don't know. I'm not sure I actually hated uh, Windblight. I think... The one I enjoyed most was definitely the uh, Thunderbite. Sorry, not Windblight. Um, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway. um, we, we went a lot into, uh, we went into, um, lot into the Age of Calamity news, last time. Uh, apparently, um, a fan is trying to remake Metal Gear Solid 3 using the, mm. um, the engine for Metal Gear Solid 5. Okay, so isn't that Unreal 4, I think? I'm not 100% sure. It could have been Kojima, like Kojima Productions in-house one. I wasn't 100% sure. It might be Unreal 4, let me check. But um, as you were saying, sorry. I'm not too, <laughs> sure, I'm not too sure myself, to be honest. But um, yeah, it's basically a fan is trying to look to remake this uh, that game and they're basically looking for hope, actually. So, from what I understand, oh, it was made in the Fox engine. So, it's their own in-house one. Mm-hmm. Um... 
so like one of the one of the you you never played Metal Gear, have you? Um, no, I've not really played any Metal Gear games to be honest. It's, it's like one of the um, one of the big sort of components of Metal Gear is this thing called Fox Die. Oh yeah. Yeah, so um, that's what I think it's named after. But um, with with Metal Gear Solid Three specifically, from what I understand, that is the best game in the series. It's, that's like the one that people love the most. Is that the one Snake Eater. Snakey? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Snake Eater, where basically you're playing as um, Naked Snake, and uh, and it's set in jungle sort of thing. It's um, yeah. I mean, I've I've played my fair share of the Metal Gear games. I still I really like them. It's just I I would I would I would fucking love to see how it goes. It's just when it comes to fan games, they're often only available on PC, yeah. or they get shut down yeah, because Konami are probably going to shut it down. Yeah, probably it probably is going to go that way in both but. It's nice to see someone's Hopefully, commi- nice to see someone's commitment to the uh, the series. Though, I've got to say, yeah, because it it comes from a place of love, and like Konami aren't going to do anything with it. Although, although um, I like to think that us bringing attention to it isn't going to get it shut down <laughs> now that we've now that we've brought it up. Yeah, well, you know, well, you never know. I mean, that's one thing that we can claim that we've done, which isn't great, but I mean, it's something we've done. <laughs> yeah, at least we're not inciting riots. Oh my god. Yeah, at least we're not inciting riots. Um I guess that's about it, right? In terms of the news. We've we've gone through a few of the yep. thi- Oh my I've, god, it's so hard to have the same level of enthusiasm as you would have had like two it, days it really ago, is, isn't it? I think it's, so far we're doing quite well, <laughs> all things considering. <laughs> it's just like, hey, do you remember when we said that the other day? Let's just say it again, but only worse because it's not organic. I mean like <laughs> this is probably the most I've spoken in an entire week, so <laughs> I mean, considering it's because we, you mostly deal with like considering we're also playing Dungeons and Dragons later, this is really pushing me over the edge for my like conversation. It's like considering most of your work involves like talking to sick people who can't speak back, mm. <laughs> or, or or like talking to dead bodies who one hundred percent shouldn't be speaking back, and if they do, then it's most likely just the air leaving their body going. Woo! <laughs> oh man, I'm just thinking about the future of a bit. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> it's like. He's been dead for two days, but he just said "woo." Nope, that's just the hair, the hair leaving his body. Oh, I think they're they're one of some of my favorite future episodes. The um, tales of interest or is it anthology of interest? I forget. Yeah, the anthology of interest is like what if Bender became a human, yeah. and it's like you just die. <laughs> uh, you know, before we move on to the main topic, <coughs> so I was watching. Um, so actually, I'm using uh, Disney Plus at the moment. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm borrowing my brother-in-law's because he got it for free for like six months. So I was like, may as well give it a go. And um, I think at the end of the subscription, I'm probably going to get it for myself because I've been watching uh, one. One Division is very good, and we can talk about it later on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but secondly. Secondly, I, I was I was like all of the back catalog of things they have on there, right? So I, I was watching the X Men cartoon from like the nineties because that's like the the TV show which got me into superheroes in the first place. That was such a and good cartoon. Like the theme tune to that was so good. No, 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 no. It's the most no, iconic no, no, thing, no, no, no. isn't it? So good. And I was also looking through and watching like a number of episodes of The Simpsons. And uh, the Simpsons is on there? it's like, yeah, yeah, all like thirty-one seasons of The Simpsons is on Disney Plus because because Disney bought Fox. Do you remember? I totally not remembered that at all. I had no yeah. idea about that. Oh my god, that's insane! Yeah, Disney. 
It's insane, isn't it? But, and this is a big caveat, right? Because I noticed, so I immediately gravitated to like my favorite episodes. So I was like, yo, I've got, fair, I've got 20 minutes. I may as well watch like the ones I really like. So I immediately went to the NSYNC one. Um, cause like that's, that's probably one of my favorites. Oh yeah. That's such a classic the, um, episode. The boy band. I know it's like doesn't the boy band one is one of my favorites so I immediately went to that and the the problem is that to make it to make it like a pseudo HD they they've cropped it and then made it full screen and it looks fucking strange because you're missing like a fair amount of the of the screen real estate that you would on the normal episode so you're missing gags which happen in the background because they're cut out and it's so stupid and i don't understand why they couldn't have just uploaded it in like standard um, or just i'm up- not sure why you, they you know what i mean why couldn't they just use the same kind of frame scaling as they do on like sky hd or something sky like that? yeah I have no idea, and I really wish they did because it ruins a fair amount of the episodes. So I mean, look, it's still watchable, and you still get up, you get all the, the the writing and the gags and stuff. It's just, I don't know, man. You can tell, like, um, uh, best way is you know, there's that bit in that episode. The um, there's a bit where Homer is putting on nipple tape, and um, he's putting on like on his two nipples, and then he's putting on uh, like a nipple down there near his stomach. And because of the screen cropping, you don't see the bottom, like him putting it on the bottom one. And it's like, uh, this feels like it's defeating the purpose of the joke. <laughs> oh, man, that's so weird. It's very weird, isn't it? Um, but yeah, man, like uh, it, it, Disney Plus is definitely something which, if you have the money, is it's pretty worth it if, you, if you're interested enough in, in the back catalogs that they have. Because they have a fair amount. It's not just like Disney stuff. It's also Fox. It's also like... Uh, basically, all of the companies that they acquired over the last few years, um, they they have all the back catalogs. So I think I will get it eventually. It's just you know not at the top of the priority list. Um, I mean, let's let's be honest. Like considering, like you said, all the companies they acquired, it's going to be quite an impressive uh, back catalog. It already is, to be honest with you. And uh, you do find a lot of things which you used to watch, which you're like, oh, I remember this. Like how I did with the X Men cartoon, and then you're like, oh, I might as well just give it a few episodes and. And then all of a sudden you're hooked. Um, so the crux of this episode and the, the main meat is uh, for, for everyone who didn't tune into the, the episode where we didn't publish. So obviously no one's tuned into that. Um, is we are talking about gaming anniversaries that are coming up in 2021. Because there are a fair number of gaming anniversaries this year that um, that oddly enough, like they all are divisible by five, and I find that quite strange. Like, I don't know if there's there was a conspiracy back in the day that good ga- good games yeah, were released. It's got it's got to be a it's got to be a mass conspiracy because it's so strange. But also, it's, it's very weird. Yeah, I have to say, it's very strange. Like, they're all divisible by five, and a lot of them are in the same year. So, like, we'll we'll get into this later. But there have been some amazing years in gaming and gaming history that. I feel don't get talked about enough, and you can only tell looking back at the anniversaries in retrospect. But uh, we'll we'll go through them month by month because there's a fair number of them, um, and I and I think the very first one is probably the one which you're probably gonna have the most to say about. Um, in this February, the month we're in right now, we have the 35th anniversary of the Legend of Zelda series. I mean, it's fantastic. Can't, can't believe it's the 35th year. I remember when it was the 25th <laughs> year and we got Skyward Sword uh, that came bundled with like a golden Wii Remote Plus and uh, orchest- orchestrated soundtrack alongside it. 
I mean, oh my god, I can't believe that ten years has flown by. So I thought quickly. you were about to say. I thought um, you were about to say. Oh, I remember when it was just born, and I'm like, Amrik, we're not thirty. We're not. We're not older than thirty-five. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm older than I'm thirty than thirty-five, but still. <laughs> Back to the topic, though. <laughs> Um, yeah, amazing 35 years, I've got to say. Like, this series has given me so much joy. Um, I would love, 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 love to see them, see Nintendo do something like they did. Um, kind of seeing vein of Super Mario All-Stars to 3D All-Stars to um, commemorate this uh, date. Um, if they actually did was another matter, I think, to be honest. Um, what, what do you think? I wonder how they would go. So... The thing about Mario 3D All-Stars is that the games that were included in the bundle uh, weren't exactly re-released. So so besides yeah, Mario 64, sure. Mario 64 was re-released on the virtual consoles, but Mario Sunshine hasn't been re-released since the GameCube, and Mario Galaxy hasn't been re-released. Well, technically, you could play it on the Wii U, but... You know, obviously, it's, it's wasn't Mario sixty four released again on the DS? Um, it was, it was re, it was remade on the DS. Yes, it was a yeah. launch title for the DS, but it like controls not very good yeah. because because you you you're playing a three D platformer on a D pad. Um, yeah, I can imagine that. But um, yeah, no, I've tried playing it and I really couldn't get into it because of that. Um, the the thing about the Legend of Zelda is uh, the games have been reg. I feel like the series, the franchise, is like taken care of a little bit more when it comes to the three D games. So um, we've already had our Ocarina of Time and uh, Majora's Mask remakes. We've already had our Wind Waker and and. Um, twilight princess hd versions so yeah, i definitely. i don't know what really scope they have left because skyward sword is the only one which hasn't been re-released and i don't think you can uh logistically re-release skyward sword because of the so so for people who don't know um skyward sword was very motion control heavy to the point where they had to invent a a new more accurate version of the wiimote called the Wii Motion plus now yeah. The, the the whole game is centered around the Wiimote and the idea that you, you swing your sword with one hand and the nunchuck is your shield and it's extremely motion control heavy. The problem with that is that that doesn't transpose onto any other platform because no other game system has a, a, as accurate motion control as the Wii Motion Plus, um, from what I understand. Um, like, to the point where the, the, the Switch, the motion controls on the Switch aren't as accurate as, like, the base... The AR on the Switch isn't as accurate as like yeah. the base, um, the base Wii. So it just physically yeah. isn't possible to have um, Skyward Sword on the Switch, for example. And you would have they would have to go in and like remake the game from ground up. And I just don't think that's like it's not viable because Skyward Sword wasn't a revered game. So what like they don't have any incentive to re-release it, from what I understand. No, that's true. I mean, to be honest, I don't want to play Skyward Sword. <laughs> well, it's not just the we. It's not just the motion control. Skyward Sword is, I think, the most laborious Legend of Zelda game. I think is the best way to put it. Like all the Zelda games are are relatively long, especially the three D ones. Um, Twilight Princess is really fucking long, but it doesn't feel long. Like when you play it, you're enjoying your time. I think Skyward Sword, it feels long. And it doesn't fall. It doesn't yeah. fall into accordance with our um, our motto of please make sure to please. And its its design philosophy I mean, is like 
it feels padded because you're going to each area three times and it just seems like a bit of a mess. I mean, yeah, to be honest, it's it's uber repetitive and kind of revisiting areas you've already been to. Um, unlike um, unlike uh, Phantom Hourglass, it's not quite as enjoyable mm. uh, when you have to revisit these areas. Um, the you Like you said, the... The motion controls were so, so, so overplayed in this game <laughs> and fighting even the simplest enemies who would block you and you'd have to strike them in such a similar, in such a specific mm. way. It just makes combat so tedious, unfortunately. It, it, but uh, none, none, nonetheless, though, I, I would love it if they released um, Wind Waker on, or even Twilight Princess as two completely separate titles for the Switch. I think that would be really fantastic. And goddamn it, it probably really would be. I feel well. like that is an inevitability due to it being on the Wii U that we will end up getting, hopefully as a collection, I, I don't think they do a collection because that's a little bit too much bang for, uh, bang for your buck. But yeah, like they could easily release each of them again at £40 instead of releasing both of them together for 60 and people would still buy it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'd look forward to playing, especially Wind Waker. The game is so beautiful, um, with the HD, like I'd be really, ha I'd be really excited to play it and like handheld, um, and Twilight Princess as well. The, having them handheld would be a very, very cool novelty. I'm not going to lie. Like having Mario Galaxy handheld w as many times as I've played Galaxy, having it handheld was like, okay, this is cool as shit. I'm not going to lie. Um, the, the pointer thing doesn't really work in handheld. But it's just having it yeah. in in your palm in the palm of your hands, you know. I mean, with like a quite as a, a more kind of well, uh, having Wind Waker handheld would definitely be fantastic. I mean, visually it looks amazing. I love the cartoon mm. style. The soundtrack is absolutely banging. It's amazing. You've got islands specifically like um, Dragon Roost, which have a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> sound. Um, the characters are super expressive, which is a, which is quite a step forward for the Zelda series as well, which is because really at the time, we... um, hands down, it's one of my, like I said, it's my one of my favorites. So I'd love to see it on the Switch. No, I would too. I think I don't think we're gonna get unless they're being super ambitious. I don't think we're gonna get Ocarina and Majora's Mask again um, for at least a while, just because they were re like, the 3DS versions of them are still available and are still very good. Um, like, those are, in my opinion, like, the, the default way you should play those games. So, so yeah, I mean, that's how I played them, to be honest. I've never played an N64, and um, I, I really like the, the, those two games, but I don't think they're going to be re-releasing them. Uh, in, terms of, in terms of Legend of Zelda, like, what really else is there to do in terms of legacy content? Because the, the first game is part of the, the, the Switch Online. The second game is as well. Link to the Past is as well. Yeah. Um, there's there's not a lot of scope. The only thing I can really think of is if they like remade the first game with a with a more up like uh, a nicer art style and something similar to like Link's Awakening. Uh, that's that's all I can really think of. I mean, that'd be that'd be super cool to see. I think that would really go down really well with the fan base and uh, with uh, new people all the same. I think that'd be really interesting to see actually how they'd approach mm. it. Um, the art style they'd go for, um, how they'd update it, it would be really interesting. It would be really interesting. And I think, you know, the first Legend of Zelda, I, I'd say it deserves it. I know Link to the Past is sort of like a, a spiritual remake of the first game, but 
Mm. In, I think it would be cool to have because it's the only Nintendo like fran- legacy franchise which hasn't had a remake of that first game. So it it, it would be interesting to see what they did with it. But again, like I can see why they wouldn't because they're like, well, you've already got Link to the Past and Link Between Worlds, and you know these games more than more than fill the appetite of that top-down Zelda. But from what I understand, top-down Zelda is a lot easier to make than obviously than like a three D one. So honestly, I just think everything the thirty fifth anniversary. I think all of it is just building up for Breath of the Wild too. Like it makes sense. I dare say you're probably right, to be honest. Um, and without a doubt, it's going to be something worth waiting for, isn't it? I mean, it's it's nice we had uh, Age of Calamity to tie us over for yeah. a little bit. Uh, part of me wish I didn't power through that so quickly, <laughs> but still, it's a good, great little uh, piece just to kind of sate your hunger for a while. I think. I I think it was such a smart move, and with Breath of the Wild too, like we're all hyped up for it. Breath of the Wild was like one of the best games ever, in my opinion. So, it's probably it's probably I I can safely say my favorite open world game of all time. Um, with Spider Man PS Four becoming a close second, uh, I I yeah I, th- I think it's fair to say I've not played like all the open world games, but those two stand out. Um, and I I genuinely hope Breath of the Wild two picks up from that same level of of quality the only thing i can think of is like my only reservation is that the breath of the wild experience is like a one-time thing um the best way to put it like once you know how to play the game and once you know where to go the magic kind of goes away on repeated playthroughs so so true i mean I, I understand what you mean there. I mean, it doesn't make it any less enjoyable. Yeah, but the, the magic, like that. Um, uh, as, as, but, but, like, this, the sense of yeah. wonder that kind of accompanies mm. it. I mean, because, like, this was, like, a very much a first for the yeah. series. Like, it was such a huge departure from the kind of tried and tested uh, methodo- methodology of the Zelda They basically series. looked at Skyrim um, and said, let's do our own version of that, but with Zelda. Because yeah. Zelda was ultimately the game that started that whole design philosophy of, like, going wherever you want. Yeah, yeah, so uh, true. I mean, like, it's like they pretty much looked at Skyward Sword and, like, nah, <laughs> that's not... I mean, that's because that's exactly what the fans did, isn't it? And they all looked at Skyward Sword and went... Nah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So I, true. So I true. what? I, the reason why I'd say Breath of the Wild is probably my favorite open world game of all time is because I had no expectations going in. Um, I I literally only played it because you kept saying to and you gave me. You literally forced me to play it. You're like, here, take this game. You need to start playing it. And you went through the first few dungeons with me. So you kind of held my hand. It's, it's not. It's not even that. It's not even that. I, I went. I came to your house with the game. I said, hey, we're yeah, playing basically, this. yeah. You like forced it upon me, and then I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. I'll I'll play it, and then. I'm not going to lie, it took like two days and I think I was so wrapped into it. I was like, yo, I, I think I even texted you when I, I was like, yo, I just beat a Talus. Like, I'm, I'm really into this. And then um, I think the reason why it was so special is Breath of the Wild, the first one, it gives you the sense of exploration that I've never had in any other video game. Like, my, my approach to covering the map was going and finding a Sheikah Tower and like just looking up and finding another one and then marking it out and just making my way to it. And I would just stumble upon 
um, a story mission. So, like, I stumbled upon the first time I, I went for a Divine Beast mission is when I, I went to the Zora's Domain Sheikah Tower, and then I just came off the tower, and all of a sudden, Sidon appears. And I'm like, this is crazy, you know? I didn't actively have to go and seek out these missions. I didn't have to do any, like, stupid fetch quests to get here. There were, it was... It was honestly so um, satisfying. Is the best way to put it. It's 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 Definitely. it's something I've never had from an open world game. That level of freedom, and I don't know really how to quantify it for that. For me to have that expectations for other other sorts of games, it's like I'm I'm so used to playing like GTA, where you have to park in very specific places and you have to go and do yeah. things in a specific order. And if you try to think think outside the box a little bit, you um you get punished for it and <laughs> and um i don't know breath of the wild was such a breath of fresh air no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know what you mean um go, going back to the actual anniversary breath of the wild 2 would basically be the what it's what everyone's waiting for it's what people yeah. want and for it to be for it to come out this year which i really hope it does i know we're only in mm-hmm. february but god damn it if it came out on like for christmas or autumn or any time this year, I think I might just die. I happiness. think Breath of the Wild Two would be the ultimate, like, well done for getting through the pandemic. Kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if oh, we yeah. get to the end of the year and yeah. things are finally looking up, and and uh, we 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 seem to be safe, and hopefully we're gonna have made progress with vaccinations, and people are gonna be in a better mood. And Breath of the Wild Two is there because it's like a well done you did it like you you made it through everyone's had a shit time over the last couple of years but hey we did it and now go enjoy this zelda game even though you can finally go outside and like socialize with people um go back inside and play this and and, and play through this this game which you will absorb like another 200 hours of your life indoors (laughs) so true that's so true i mean oh god i i words cannot really explain like how super amped up and how super excited I am yeah for Breath of the Wild like I pretty much searched Breath of the Wild news on like a weekly a weekly basis to see <laughs> if anything what and if any minor detail has been leaked or anything mm. yeah but hopefully this year hopefully this was the year and I think it'll be a fantastic way to mark the 35th anniversary 100% I genuinely hope it lives up to the hype for you like uh, I, I hope for myself as well but I think for you specifically I really want it to be something like for them to do something mm. so to to make it known that like Zelda is as special as Mario <laughs> you know yeah def- definitely definitely um, I mean I, f- I feel like it's a bit weird that we've already got to February but nothing's really been mentioned in terms of the, uh, in the anniversary. I, I think they sense. will. Like, the way that Directs are going nowadays, I think it will just be like a, tune in tomorrow for a Zelda Direct, which is going to last an hour, and all of a sudden we have this, like, that we all of a sudden the hype just comes from nowhere. I like the way they do it now. Because it means it's it's like I mean, things aren't getting spoiled as often, and, and you have entire Directs dedicated to, like, specific subjects it kind of makes it easier to get wrapped up in the hype like you know what even for mario's 35th anniversary um as underwhelming as some aspects as some aspects of it were um 
with them introducing all those different things at once and not just like the 3D All-Stars announcement, but like, oh yeah, look, now All-Stars, the original, is going to be a part of NSO. But look, also, we're releasing a game in what with Super Mario Bros. 1 and Lost Levels on it. But also, we're giving you Super Mario 35. Like, each individually, some of those announcements aren't very interesting. But because they like built it up as like a, a hype on top of hype on top of hype, you get really wrapped up into it. Like I don't give a fuck about Super Mario 35 and I still haven't really played um, Mario 1 on the Game & Watch. I just have it for the sake of novelty. Um, but it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, introducing those things individually, one, like they wouldn't fit well into like a bigger direct. But secondly... Yeah. Um, it, it really does help you get sucked in. And I think that is ultimately the purpose of what they're doing. It's like, ultimately, it's a marketing marketing tactic. Is you know, you, you overwhelm them and make you make, make the customers feel like they, uh, they need to invest in all of these different things individually and get wrapped up into it. It's a smart way to do it. So I generally think they will do the same thing with Zelda. Um, if not, I'll be a little bit disappointed. But, hey, man, like, it's it's a pandemic here, so I can... I guess we can kind of cut them some slack at times. I mean, oh, def- oh, definitely. Uh, like, you really got to understand how how the pandemic's really affected everything from pro- in the realms of production. Um, production. Did you say pandemiction? Um, you've, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like pandemiction. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> yeah, you really got to understand how like it's affected every key what aspect of like the production kind of line. Mm. Uh, creating collaboration um and unfortunately yeah you've just got to be a bit patient really. exactly uh these like things good things will come soon you've just got to be patient yeah definitely um so do you want to finally move on to the second and my god we've got so many to go through and we just spent like 20 minutes or 15 minutes talking about zelda alone um but god. that was that was expected to be honest it is zelda um although to be honest this, this next one is I'd say as significant for us um, as a collective. It is the 25th anniversary of Pokemon this year um, in February, which, so this actually caught me by surprise a little bit because I didn't realize Pokemon is as old as we are. I thought Pokemon was like, I thought it, it became a thing like when we were five, not it, that, that it is as old as we are, basically. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember specifically we were in year one or two when, the trading cards became a big mm-hmm. thing. People were playing the games. The series was out. Yeah. So yeah, pretty much it was uh, started just a year after we were born. The whole. Series. What's interesting is um, um, I think when they say the twenty fifth anniversary is the twenty fifth anniversary of the very original red and green. The initial yes, games. which were never yeah. released um, in in outside of Japan. So what what happened with those first couple of games is they did red and green. And then they did an updated version called Blue, and then I think they based yeah. and then they based like the international versions on Blue, and then they were and it was Red and Blue that they released to everyone. So with that, that was like over the course of like three four years. So I think that's where our confusion lies is that it's not actually the anniversary that we are familiar with. It's the anniversary of the Japanese of the very original games. But I think it's you know significant nevertheless like you know it's pokemon at the end of the day uh it's the biggest franchise in history i'm not exaggerating when i say that like if you if you look at the 
the top selling uh, most valuable franchises of all time, Pokemon is on the very top. Like Pokemon is bigger than like Harry Potter and Batman put together. It's kind of it's kind of nuts. Um, I, I didn't I didn't know if you actually yeah, already mean, knew that, but yeah, it, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this series has brought us like ridiculous, like endless hours of joy. I mean, for for me, the per- first Pokemon game I actually played was Pearl. Yeah. Um, as a like fifteen year old kid, so like. That was my first introduction to the series, and by quite, it's still hands down one of my favorite favorite games. Um, what about you? I think you've played quite a lot of the uh, early games. I was there from like Red. Um, I I still have my copy of Pokemon Red on the original Game Boy. So I, um, I think my cousin just gave me his copy to play, and I was like, man, this is amazing. Like when I was playing through it, even though I was really bad at it, like I would. I did beat it. I did eventually end up beating the Elite Four and stuff, but I was like six years old. And I think Pokemon is largely the reason why I like turn-based RPGs, if I'm being honest with you. Like, um, Pokemon Red and then Pokemon Crystal, which was like the the one which is still the one I love the most, if I'm being honest with you. Um, Crystal's probably the one... Yeah, Crystal does have a special place. In yeah, it's like Crystal is the one I've put the most amount of hours in. Uh, because it was like the game of my Game Boy Color and the game of my childhood, if I'm being honest with you. Like, it's the one which I used to sit there for hours in the house playing. I used to sit there on road trips. It was like me and my, me and my for alligator <laughs> going through both Kanto and Johto. And, and honestly, like, those games are so special to me. But Red is where I started. And, um, I do distinctly remember as like a, a six year old trying to beat the Elite Four with my Charizard and uh, trying to use Fisher and everything, because back then, for some reason, they don't give you an accuracy um, on the moves. They just tell you what they do. And Fisher just, all it says is, it's a one-hit KO. So I was like, yo, this is a, like, what can anyone do against this move? So I kept trying to use it on everything, and it obviously failed all the time. Yeah, little did Zane know that Fisher has a, a accuracy of 30%. Exactly, because it doesn't tell you. The game doesn't physically tell you what the no, accuracy is. Um, and also, I didn't know my type matchups, obviously, because I was a little kid. So I used to think that, oh, because of the anime, Charizard is really cool. Um, it means that in the games, Charizard beats everything, even though it doesn't. And also, back then, I used to, um, I used to like, just power my starter up to level 99 and not use anything else. <laughs> Yeah, that's very much what I did when I initially... So, as like a, I think I was 21 years mm-hmm. old, and I bought like an old Game Boy Color, for, Game Boy Color from uh, Leicester yeah. Market, and I found a copy of, I think it was Crystal, which I played to yeah. death. And in one of my playthroughs, I basically had like a level 99 territory, <laughs> and no other Pokemon in my body. And I just basically just uplifted everything to like... You can, you can go through it. So I... Um... The first time I played through Crystal, um, well, which was like my main save file, I just had my Feraligator that I used throughout the whole game, and um, I kept Scratch as my main move throughout the whole game. Like, I didn't use anything but Scratch for some reason. So little did I know, because even at one point I had Slash, and I, I, got, I still just kept Scratch over it, <laughs> because it doesn't tell you the powers of moves. So I was like... Yay, scratches work. It works really well in the beginning of the game. And it was literally, I, I beat the entire game um, by mostly scratching things. And if and then at some point, I started using surf a lot and I used strength a lot. And those three moves um, beat the game for me as like a seven, eight-year-old. 
So, you know what? Maybe these games aren't that challenging, now that I think about it. But it did take me a very long time to beat the Elite Four and Crystal. So that's no surprise. Um, I, used, I used to have, like, a routine, though, with um, with the Elite Four and Crystal, is that any time I wanted to power level a Pokemon, I'd give it the experience share, and then I'd go through the Elite Four again with Feraligatr and just have, like, all of the rigid, residual experience go to that Pokemon until they evolve. Um Man, I have so many memories of Crystal. I really do. It's it's um it's the one which I think if I, if you had to, if I had to choose a favorite, it would still be Crystal. Even though, uh, Heart Heart Gold and Soul Silver are objectively the better games. Oh, definitely without a doubt, they're far more well-rounded games, and yeah, a lot more kind of balanced with a lot more information there for you. And like well. Pokemon follow you, and do you know back then I used to think um, because I played Red and then I played Crystal, I was like. I, I, when you go to Kanto that very first time you beat the Elite Four because it took me so long to beat the Elite Four when I first got there and all of a sudden you're in Kanto and I'm like this is amazing like it blew my mind as a child that I then went to the future version of a game I was already like really really familiar with and I used to play it and I found it so fucking cool and um yeah, like seeing the what happens in the future of the, the Red universe was amazing for me um that like that first point where you get off the SSN or whatever it is, or, uh, and you, you, you come off the ship, and all of a sudden you're in Vermilion. I'm like, yo, this is very familiar. And then you realize, wait, I'm going through Kanto as well? This is so cool. But I also made the mistake of assuming that from that point on, every Pokemon game would include the previous few, like, however many regions. So I had the assumption that, like, Ruby, when it came out, would include Johto and Kanto. <laughs> Oh man, if only, that would have been perfect. I know, so Child Me was clearly not familiar with game development cycles, but you know what? It's okay, I can forgive him. Um, In terms of the actual anniversary, so we... Like, okay, Pokemon Sword and Shield came out last year, and uh, from what I understand, they did well. The DLCs come out already, so there are there isn't anything in the pipeline now for Pokemon to release, besides Pokemon Snap, which we covered a few weeks ago. Um... What I imagine they will do is do another Pokemon Direct at some point, and they will give us the announcement for the inevitable Gen 4 remakes. Um, it is also the anniversary of the Gen 4 um, in, in September, so it would make perfect sense for the remakes to be to be coming out this year in like the Sword and Shield engine. Um, Gen 4, your first your first foray into the Pokemon universe, it was the, the games that got me back into Pokemon as an adult. Um, so, like, I finished with the GBA games, and I didn't play Pokemon again until I got to university. But then when I did, I started with Gen 4, and I, I loved it so much, uh, Platinum so much, that I, I just played the rest of them, basically. And I saw what I was missing, I mean, basically. And and um, so, yeah, it also, it's like my... It, it's what got me back into the series so it holds a pretty special place for me as well i'm really looking forward to gen 4 remakes i mean yeah same so am i i'm really looking forward to gen 4 remakes i mean like you said it's logically the direction we're going in given that we've had remakes of hot gold uh soul silver we've had the alpha and omega ruby and sapphire ruby and sapphire mm-hmm. is so yeah logically it's a it's basically the next step um it would be fantastic to get a uh, get it on the um, sword and shield engine. Yeah, it would be beautiful. I think um, it ticks so many boxes for so many fans. Yeah. 
Um, Man, I, I... Very much. It, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's like the last kind of um, Pokemon game that has the kind of old sprites, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Cause from Gen 5, um, the sprites get a bit different, and they also become a lot... Like, they can become cleaner, the animations become a lot better. Gen 5 is arguably yeah. the first, like, modern Pokemon game, if I'm being honest, uh, because Gen 4 still has a lot yeah. of holdovers from, like, the old times where there are bits which get quite tiring. So, for example, double battles and the battles in general, things can be yeah. really slow. And uh, that's why whenever I go mm-hmm. back to Platinum, I have to play on, like, an emulator where I double the speed because the game is really fucking slow. Um, that is, like, one of the big criticisms of it. Uh, and, and and what they had to do when they originally released Platinum, they, had, they knew that... Um, Diamond and Pearl were really slow, so they they sped it up in yeah. Platinum, but it's still very fucking slow. Um, so, so yeah, man. Like, I'm I'm looking forward to see what they do with the remakes. I think the the remakes of Omega Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, are like they're by far my favorite ways to play Gen Three. And I grew up with Gen Three. Like, I grew up with the originals, and yet I would still one hundred percent say the the remakes are so much better. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they bring forward into this, uh, into the remake. I yeah. Think. I mean, like some of the additions that they made in um, made in um, Omega and Alpha, uh, they were just so unique, mm. and they were so it's like a breath of fresh air into like these old games, weren't they? The the coolest thing for me was beating the Elite Four in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, and then all of a sudden you have this new side qu- like a new quest opens up. And they included Rayquaza into the main story, and all of a sudden, like you're having to go fight Deoxys in space with Rayquaza, and I'm like, this is amazing for somebody who grew up with the original. Like adding this stuff on really made it like uh, the the definitive way to play, but also it made it just some more special because I was expecting the game to finish at the Elite Four like it did in the original. Um, I I yeah I can't speak highly enough for like the Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire remakes. I think they're fantastic and. Uh, if you if you have a three DS, you haven't played it. It's, you you are missing out if you haven't. The music and I I will hands down say the music in Gen Three is still my favorite soundtrack. Um, I I as much love as I have for like the music throughout the whole series. I think Gen Three specifically has the best collection of songs. Um, if if you guys haven't heard like the 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 city songs for example is like one for Vendor Turf and Rustbrook like they're very very good compositions the piano pieces and in the remakes they remade them to be even better and just sound amazing like if you if you have the chance go and listen to the Gen Free soundtracks because I think they are the best in the series still even to this day even with Sword and Shield coming out we have digressed a lot when it comes to Pokemon um, but sorry uh, really the have. the anniversaries so we've gone into a lot more detail than when we first originally. Um, rec- recorded this for both Pokemon and Zelda, so I feel like maybe we got our passion back. <laughs> <laughs> We've hit our stride again. But, um, going back to the anniversary, yeah, interestingly enough, that that is pretty much why we're getting the um, all the bits on Levi's. Really. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's very much to commemorate this. And, yeah. Well, because Pokemon, they make. That they make the games, but the money doesn't come from the games. The money comes from the TV shows and the merchandising, and the merchandising especially makes them so much more money than like. That's what makes them the best-selling franchise of all time because it is the most. It's one of the most accessible franchises. First of all, it's not like specifically male or female. Um, everyone who is of our age, I'd say, 
and it, and got into it yeah. as a child will still have love for it, you know, whether it, whether they're Gen Oneers or whether they're people who stuck with the series throughout. Um, I have a theory when it comes to Gen Oneers, by the way. I have a theory that when we were kids, there were two types of Pokemon fans. There were the Pokemon fans who only ever watched the anime, and there were the Pokemon fans who played the games. And it's the ones who played the games that are still fans to this day, whereas it's the ones who watch the anime who only want to, like, be involved with Gen 1 stuff. So that's why, because that makes sense, right? Yeah, that does make sense. And I know many people who fit this description for you to attend. Yeah. For instance, I've got a childhood friend who's only ever watched the anime and he's only ever watched me play the games, but he's currently out there right now collecting a first-gen base set for the Pokemon <laughs> and, and doesn't give a shit so, about anything yeah. past the first one. First-gen, right? Basically, yeah. yeah. He does He does love uh, Lugina, <laughs> i got to say, from the Pokemon 2000 yeah. movies. Um, but yeah, he does have a special love for Lugia, but aside from that, he's kind of just very focused on the, um, the initial first generation. Um, I think what you, what you said about how people from a wide range of backgrounds are interested in the Pokemon series, I mean, that's so true. Like, remember when we went to see the Pokemon Center? And we we adopted a child. (laughs) Yeah, we adopted a a child. But basically, there was such, there was such a wide range of like people from all walks of life in that queue waiting with us. Exactly, it? people from all ages. Yeah. and you could and like you had adults, you had uh, parents with their kids, you had adults by themselves. I mean, technically, we were part of the adult crowd. We one hundred percent were part of the. In fact, it was majority adults around our age. The people with children didn't get up early enough, so they couldn't get in, which is kind of sad. But it's also, you know, expected. Um, I think what there was that mother and child who came up to us towards the midpoint of the day, and they were like, "Hey, um, is this the queue?" And we're like, "Yeah, sorry, we've been waiting here since like five a.m. in the morning." <laughs> and they were like, "Oh my god, we're not going to get in." And you feel bad for them because obviously that's not practical to do when you have children. Um, no, it's true. It's very true. But uh, but yeah, man. Like I think Pokemon, like they will do some some stuff for us. I think. We'll get. We're gonna get Snap. We're gonna get probably a few extra games. Um, we will get. Undoubtedly, they'll be releasing like a new movie to con- commemorate it. I reckon. Mm-hmm. Um, they play a lot of nostalgia fuel when it comes to the movies because sometimes they do stuff like set in the original timeline. Sometimes it's new stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. I think the new Pokemon movies are pretty great. You know the Netflix ones. Yeah, I really. Yeah, I, I really like them. Um, hopefully we um, we won't get another Pokemon 2000. I, I still don't like that movie. It's probably my least favorite out of all of them. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, I do not like it. I, pr- I much prefer... I remember watching it. I had it on, on video. Like I had it on VHS, the first three movies. And I remember 2000 being specifically the one I hated the most out of all of them. Like it was the most... It was the biggest drag. And then you had to keep hearing that song play throughout, like Lugia's Call, and I just really didn't like it as much as... I, my favourite was my favorite to this day is still the um, the Entei one, The Curse of the Unknown. I mean, I'm, I'm laughing because for your birthday last year... You got me the um, watch. I, man- <laughs> I, I managed to track down the, uh, the watch. So Burger King did this, um, had um, Happy Meals for the Pokemon 2000 movies. <laughs> And they basically game with Pokemon watches. Yeah. And <laughs> I've managed to track down a couple, and I gave one to you for your birthday. I've got one, and I gave one to another friend of yeah. mine. Um, basically, if you 
it tells you the time, of course, it's a fucking watch. <laughs> if you press the button, it makes the call for Lugia. I, Lugia. That's the funniest shit. So sentimentally, that is one of the coolest gifts I've ever I've ever been given. The fact that you would track that down and it's Pokemon. But I just, it's just very funny because it's like the one movie that I kind of have bad, like horrible memories of, which fits us really well as like a, as a pair. That yeah. is like, here you go, something that you yeah. don't like to hear something to remind you of it constantly. I like it though, man. Like it's, it's one of the coolest gifts I've ever been given. Um, but I just, yeah, 100%, I will die on the hill that the um, the Curse of the Unknown is like the better movie alone just because of the Charizard versus Entei fight. Like, I'm not... Yeah. So even as an adult, um, if I ever... Whenever I've watched that back with somebody, every time Charizard swoops in, like, to save Ash, and then he fights yeah. again, like, still kind of gives me goosebumps because I found it so cool as a child. Um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. So... I, I pro- it probably doesn't hold up very well like now, but I I really liked that movie back when I was a kid. Uh, it was probably my favorite DV- my favorite VHS to be honest. That's how old it is. Yeah. It wasn't even on I DVD. Think... It was a VHS. God. <laughs> yeah, it was hundred percent VHS. <laughs> I once took it into school. Um, so you know when you were little. The VHS. Yeah, I, I took the VHS in school. So you know when you were when you were little, um, and it was like towards the end of term. Did your teacher say like bring in movies and then the class can watch a movie together? Um, no, no, they they gave us movies to watch. So I think we we watched Cool Runnings a hell of a lot of times. <laughs> oh, it's that bit in Fatty Rock where she's like doing a Jamaican accent. She's like, oh yeah, Cool Runnings, man. <laughs> cool, Cool Runnings, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, our school, our school were like, I don't know. They were they were saying to the kids like, you can bring in your own DVDs, and then the class would do a vote on which one to watch. And um, I brought in Pokemon Three, and uh, and and the teacher was just like, oh please don't vote for this. And the and most of the kids voted for it over like Scooby Doo and the Cyber Chase, which is also a pretty decent film. Um, That's a pretty good movie like this the, the cyber villain makes a really weird like noise though so I, when i was a kid i used to get confused between cyber chase and the um the aliens one and um because I, I remember wanting to watch cyber chase because i had like the game for it but i didn't like the yeah. aliens one and i kept accidentally watching the aliens one um but by far the best out of all of those is zombie island fucking hell that was like terrifying man <laughs> But anyway, that, that was a very strange one. It was so good, but it's like probably the best Scooby Doo movies to this day. Um, we have digressed a lot from Pokemon here, but yeah, twenty fifth anniversary. Um, yeah. Let's move on to March. <laughs> um, oh my god, we're only on March. we're only on March, and yeah. Um, so March, this will be a nice and easy one. We have the twenty fifth anniversary of Resident Evil, uh, a series that we both like. I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. We would so. talk. We would speculate about what we think will happen for the twenty fifth anniversary, but we already know. Um, so the new game is coming out on seventh of May, twenty twenty one. The other day when we recorded this, I had to look it up whilst we were on air, but I just remember it now off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> so yeah, because I, I actually did. I actually did ask you. I was like, "Do we actually have a date for this, <laughs> or is it actually?" Uh... Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I've learned from my mistakes. Uh, 
So you've now played the demo, haven't you? Like, have you played it to its completion? Yes, indeed. I have completed the demo to com- yep to com- I've completed to completion. So what was really awkward last time when we were talking about this is I was trying to like nudge Amrik to reveal how much of it he had played because he'd only played like twenty ten minutes of it before we had to record. So I was like trying my best not to spoil bits of it whilst also trying to get him to say what he had already experienced, and it was a bit awkward. Whereas now we can just flat out give our impressions of the demo albeit briefly um what what did you think because when i was playing the demo i was like this is one is it's terrifying like it should be um i think the first person view makes it even scarier um yeah without a doubt the first person view really lends itself to inflicting the terror onto you exactly um just a complete unawareness of what might be might be behind you i think the the way it uses your other senses to freak you out is is fantastic like the sound direction when you're in first person because the resident evil games have always had really good sound direction um and in terms of using uh, surround sounds to scare you but when you're in first person it is a million times more effective <laughs> Because you physically can't yeah. tell what's going to be behind you unless you turn around, and you might just turn around to like something yeah. being in your face. Yeah, I'm like I've never been so acutely aware of a character's footsteps in a game. <laughs> I mean, like I was, I was like my ears, my ears were like so attuned to every single like sound I was making, and every time I got to like a door, I'd pause and like kind of listen. Yeah to see if there's any footsteps from the other That's side. That's exactly what I was doing as like, well. What, what, what game kind of gives you that level of, oh my God, I'm so focused in this. It's incredible. It, it really is. And I'm not going to lie, I'm very excited for the main game now. I know this game, didn't the, the demo didn't involve any combat, um, but mm-hmm. it gave me enough of an impression to go, okay, yeah, I am getting this um, when it comes out. Yeah, um, the yeah. villain, holy shit. So... Now that you've actually played the demo, the ending of the demo, fucking hell, man. Um, so the, the way the demo ends is you're, you're finally about to escape because the whole thing is aimed at escaping yeah. this room, um, escaping their mansion. And you finally get the keys. You're like, I figured it out. I know how to get out. You get the keys. You're running for the front door. And then the vampire, one of the vampire girls just goes like, I, I, I can't wait. And then she goes and just takes a fucking bite out of you. And... And she's yeah. in your face. She bites you, and you. you I, I was, I was physically when I was playing the game. I was just like, nope, 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 backing away, trying like to get away from her. Um, yeah, you. I, I desperately ran and scrambled for the door, <laughs> and I managed to get through. And you, yeah, exactly. You managed to get through. You get to the op- to the main door, and then you are greeted by Lady Dimitrescu, you, who who. Th- that's that's the beauty of that scene, though. You think you're in the clear. yeah. You've got rid. You've got rid of one of the daughters. Well, you don't get. You evaded one of the daughters, and you find yourself alone in the room. You can finally take a breather. Yeah. And then you open the courtyard door to escape, and guess who busted? <laughs> Lady Dimitrescu, and she just kicks you back, and I think she kills you because she stabs you in the face with like her claw hands, and it's basically like a. Yeah. This is what I can do to you in the demo. So find out what I can do to you in the actual game. I'm not gonna lie. I'm really hooked. Oh into this i can't wait for the real game oh without a doubt i mean she's very much got like um you, you've watched a uh, full metal alchemist yes yes so um she's basically got like uh you know the homunculus lust she basically has her ultimate space she does doesn't she uh yeah that's what i basically like thought of when i 
when I saw her. Dude, I think and she's also got giant boobs. <laughs> that was, that was, uh, maybe she, also has maybe she was based on lust, probably. Maybe. I mean, there's Japanese, yeah. right? <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's like we spoke on the, uh, the last episode, which was our favorite. <laughs> Like the Western, the Western Evil um, series, they've got a, they've definitely got a thing for giant evil um, antagonists. They do, they do indeed. I mean, like this is the first, from what I understand, this is the first female one, um, and yeah. everyone's fucking over, like super hyped that it's the, it's a girl. Like, from what I understand, like God, God damn it, it's twenty twenty one. It's about it's about time. And like yeah, as as we said, like giant fuck off boobs that she has and um people people are going crazy online and uh she's like nine and a half feet tall from what we understand and what they said on on yeah, this they, they like it? released a public statement about it because people were going so crazy um so yeah man like i mean we don't want to go too much into resident evil because we are going to be doing like a uh, impressions uh of the of the actual game when it does come out but this yeah they they are doing well by their fans like Resident Evil are good one Capcom are good when it comes to legacy content for for Resident mm-hmm. Evil specifically um from what i understand the only games which aren't really available um are the PS1 originals um i don't know why you'd want to play Resident Evil 1 on the PS1 um it just it just doesn't hold up very well um especially when you compare it to the remake on the GameCube which is available on the PS4 and stuff uh Resident Evil 2 and 3 Nemesis, fair enough. Like, it would be cool if they do eventually, because they, even though they have been remade into the PS4 versions, um, there is an argument that the PS1 originals still are, like, they still have their own value. Um, especially, especially Resident Evil 3 Nemesis is a very different sort of game. Like, they're more reimaginings than anything. They're not really remake remakes. So... It, it would be cool for people to have those more accessibly, but um, I understand why Capcom would want to focus people and funnel them towards the remakes on the PS4. Um, but yeah, man, like I, I, I think the 25th anniversary is going to be super interesting, but um, we, we already know what's coming out for Resident Evil. Shall we move on to May? So May, we have the 25th anniversary festival. So again, 25. So in the same year, we had Pokemon, then a month later, Resident Evil, and then a month later, we had Metal Slug. Um, so uh, are, are you familiar with Metal Slug? Uh, I basically have some fond memories of a holiday where they had a Metal Slug arcade game mm-hmm. in one of the games rooms, which I spent many a day funneling probably too many euros into this arcade machine. I thought you said many a day fondling for a second there. I was like, what the hell were you doing to that machine? <laughs> I mean, you, you basically fondle the joystick. Right? <laughs> if you take care of it, it'll take care of you. That's what you... <laughs> basically, yeah. If you take care of it, yeah. <laughs> let's, let, let's, let's move on. I, um, I, I, I appreciate Metal Slug for what it is. I think SNK make a hell of an arcade game, or they used to make them... They made a hell of an arcade collection of games. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit more familiar with like Fatal Fury and their fighting games, but um, you know Metal Slug. It's a it's a two D shooter. It's frantic and crazy, and I have played a bits of it, but it's never really been something I've been too into. But I'm happy for people who are who are Metal Slug fans. I think um, what we will probably get. So from what I understand, there are anthologies and collections on the PS4 and. Uh, of of Metal Slug, but I think it you know we will end up getting them on like the Switch and stuff. They become a bit more. Yeah. I I think it would 
like we will get something. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent familiar with SNK's like corporate policy from like anymore if you know what i mean i don't know too much about yeah, them i'm not too sure myself to aside honest. from the fact that they basically gave all of their songs to nintendo for smash bros so i mean they they, they come cool. across yeah i was about to say they come across as nice guys but we don't know for sure <laughs> um i guess you know we don't have too much to mention about metal slug so i guess it'd be good to move on to the next may anniversary so this is another 35th anniversary and this is dragon quest um the granddaddy of rpgs the um the one and only um so this is the 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 anniversary of the original dragon quest on the nes and the famicom rather mm-hmm. um you or rather dragon warrior if you were in the west um we, we've only really become fans of the series recently uh it's not it, it was never that like huge in the west if i'm not mistaken i think final fantasy has always sort of overshadowed it over here whereas in japan i i, I, I i'm inclined to agree with you on that one yeah whereas because like i've heard, i've known about final like this is completely anecdata by the way but i've known about final fantasy since i was really little and i've been playing them since i was since i was like eight or nine or seven or eight right but dragon quest i didn't yeah. really i wasn't aware of any of the games until at least like the ds and 3ds so um but it is a thing like dragon quest is the the de facto rpg like the the granddaddy of them all um so it, it has its legacy and that legacy is pretty fucking incredible a lot of games take from it and are inspired by it and um yeah Man, like that first. Uh, have you have you played the first game specifically? I've tried a few times to play the first games, but um, I just find them hard to get into. Yeah, so I do as well. It's one of those things. Like it's not. It's one of those things. Where unfortunately, yes, they're meant to be amazing, but it, when you've got all these modern conveniences in with modern day RPGs. Mm-hmm. They just don't age well, do they? That is inherently the problem with um, RPGs of that time. It's the same with the, the original Final Fantasy. They don't... Um, because of the modern conveniences, as you mentioned, they don't age particularly well a lot of the time, and um, that is very much the case with like the original Dragon Quest, Dragon Warrior. Um, but from what I understand, and like this is weird to me being a Final Fantasy fan, but from what I understand, the first three Dragon Quest games are a trilogy, and they follow on the same story, and they have like, or rather, they they follow on like the same themes, and they talk loads about Erdrick in the first yeah, two do. games, and then Erdrick, you you live like yeah. Erdrick's tale in the third game, and I think that's very cool. Yeah. Um, Dra- Dragon Quest has a lot more like continuity throughout all of the games than like something like Final Fantasy or Persona. Um, but yeah, I I would I'm I'm excited to see what they do. I mean, we just got dragon quest 11s and um we yeah as we said we just got dragon quest 11s on the switch last year and so i don't know really what else we're going to be getting in terms of dragon quest i know they're they're going to be releasing 11s for the playstation and xbox to cover all their bases so i don't know man like uh, are you looking for anything specific i don't know what they're going to do with dragon quest to be honest that we already have remakes of the original games um in many fashions uh namely like the ios ports and the android ports i don't particularly like the art style of those games um i, I don't like the art style of the phone games but uh they are on the switch and they were released on the switch last year so yeah i'm 100 i'm 100 behind you on that one i mean i am um, not a fan of the art style in the ios versions mm. like I said they have been brought forward on the switch i mean it's a nice way to kind of kindle interest yeah 
Um, I think the whole, I guess, I'm guessing the reasoning behind it, they want to kind of make it more accessible Ex- yeah. for uh, new players, I guess. They, um, they made it look I objectively one, worse, in my opinion. They just like, oh, yeah. they made it look like a cheap mobile game, um, which I guess is the point. Bas- basically, yeah. But like, yeah. for what that game stands for, and those games stand for, it's, it's a bit, de- mm-hmm. like, it's a bit sad and they do the same thing Square Enix do this a lot they did the same thing with um, Final Fantasy 6 for some fucking reason so the iOS version of Final Fantasy 6 looks like shit considering the SNES game still looks really good um, for like the time so I don't understand why they felt the need to recreate the models and make everything look a bit worse but I don't know man like these companies they make decisions which just make no fucking sense but I guess there may be like an engine reason behind it or something I think quite possibly Um, what I'm looking really looking forward to most is uh, the next uh, the next game in the series I don't know about you Um, I don't think we're going to be getting that for a very long time though to be honest with you I don't I don't expect because 11 only came out in 2017 Um, I don't know when 10 came out but I know I don't think it was this decade last decade rather so yeah. I don't think we're going to be getting twelve for quite a while, especially you'll, whilst you'll definitely be you'll definitely be waiting a while. But um, I'm still really looking forward to it, uh, considering what all the um, improvements they made on eleven for the S version. Mm-hmm. I really hope they carry these improvements forward into the following games, and yeah, because I think it really help them kind of. Cap- cap- capitalize on the uh, fans they made through eleven. Definitely, and they made a lot of fans through eleven. Like we are now well on we are now uh well on board with the series we're like oh cool, cool now i'm fans of this so um i'm looking forward to whatever that comes out um as i said i don't think they'll be releasing 12 for a very long time especially whilst 11 is still being pushed because it'll be cannibalizing their own markets and companies don't do that um and also development should take a while because these games are fucking huge um i mean you, you know that better than anyone 11 takes a fair amount of time to to beat <laughs> Yeah, it does. Yeah, it is. It's definitely a time sink, but God damn it, I enjoyed every single moment in that. I, I really did as well. I think Dragon Quest Eleven is a fantastic game. If you haven't played it already, it's available on fucking everything at the moment, so give it a go. I mean, I, I personally would recommend playing it on the Switch. You're making a few graphical compromises, but in return, you're able to play it in handheld and it runs really well in handheld and like you can put it down oh, yeah definitely the, the big thing for me when it comes to switch games and the big the big selling point is that you can put them down wherever you want and put them back up again and like just you know go go to sleep and then pick it back up and it's still just there and fine um but yeah dragon quest uh 35 i guess the next thing we can do is just go into june <laughs> yeah let's do it june it is so uh, what's on the uh anniversary for June. So, in terms of June, uh, we have the 30th anniversary of Battletoads. Um, I, <laughs> I I know uh, Battletoads maybe not the same legacy as like everything else we've mentioned so far, but I feel like it's a nice round yeah. number at 30, so it's worth mentioning. I have a, a nostalgia for Battletoads on Super Nintendo, so I thought it might be worth um, bringing this up. You, you've, have you played any, any form of Battletoads before? I have not, no. I've not had the pleasure, should I say. <laughs> well, it's good. It's, they're, they're fun, man. They're very, very difficult. Like, I remember distinctly as, like, a six-year-old playing through the first two levels over and over and over again and never getting very... Like, it, I would... you die off very quickly into, like, the third level because the design's pretty cheap. But um, it was one of those games where, like, 
the design was super, super cheap and you would die a lot, but they would still give you limited continues and then it would be a game over and you have to start all over again. And, and, and like, in my opinion, those aren't very good value for money when it comes to video games on a, on a Super Nintendo because Super Star Wars did this as well and I still don't understand why limited continues are a thing on, like, a, a home console. Like when you're playing in arcade, it makes sense because they want to get more money out of you, but for a home console, it's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? I, I, I bought this game already. Why are you stopping me from getting far? <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I paid money for this. Why why are you stopping me from getting any further? Because, I mean, put it this way, right? The original Castlevania had unlimited continues. You died a lot, but you would always... You would never be forced to start the whole game from the beginning. Even if you yeah. died a hundred times on, like, level five you would never be told, uh, now you have to start from level one all over again because that design mentality makes no sense for a very difficult game. And even yeah, Ghost and Goblins... Without a doubt, you're just, you're, just, you're just losing plays by doing that. I mean, come on. Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad that's, a, that's like a design mentality that has gone out the window a little bit. Um, even Ghost and Goblins, one of the hardest fucking games ever uh, and, and notorious for it, even that yeah. has unlimited continues. And thank God, otherwise the game would be fucking impossible. Um Unlimited continues in Super Mario Bros. is actually a cheat code for some reason. <laughs> really? Yeah, so in the original Super Mario Bros., if you lost all your lives and you lost all your continues, you would have to start from 1-1 one, one again. But if you press, like, select an A on the first screen, you would you would have unlimited continues, and I have no idea why that isn't the default. Because <laughs> I think a lot of people don't know that. Like, people who have been playing it since the 80s, don't know that you could have like oh, made wow. made it life a little easier. Know that. <laughs> um, yeah, Battletoads. Um, so people who don't know, Battletoads was made by Rare back on when they were like a pseudo Nintendo company. Um, they they made Battletoads. It was a big like I don't know if it was big, but it was a good uh, SNES game and NES game. And um, the the franchise has become a little bit dormant until very recently. Uh, on the because now since Rare got bought by Microsoft, it became an Xbox company. Um, so so now like the Battletoads games are on the Xbox. So um, yeah, I mean you know if you're interested, give it a go. I'm I'm not anymore because I'm not an Xbox person. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it would be it'd be nice to bring up. As like a, as a, a, a courtesy to nostalgia, um, the next franchise is probably a lot more significant for myself. Um, it's the thirtieth anniversary of Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, yeah, like uh, I mean, it is slightly younger than Battletoads, but I feel like it's a little bit long, a little bit more long lasting, a little bit more impactful. Um, yeah. Not to shit on Battletoads too much. It's just it's Sonic the Hedgehog, you know. Um, to to yeah. I don't think I really need to go into too much detail, but Sonic the Hedgehog is kind of like the the second franchise of all of gaming. If I'm being honest, like without, without a doubt, yeah, it's 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 special in its own way. It's in its own league, isn't it? Exactly. It's yeah. like you know when you think of if you said who is the 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 main like if you had to choose one face of video gaming for all of history, you'd pick Mario probably. But if you said okay, but it can't be Mario, it'd probably be Sonic. You know, um, in terms of like the most accessible, uh, uh, most recognizable property, um, Sonic. What I really hope for in terms of its thirtieth anniversary, I hope either we get a another Mania kind of game. Uh, I think Mania was an amazing, amazing game that the the devs really like smashed and knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And um, you know, for people who aren't 
who aren't familiar with the story, Sonic Mania was uh, created basically by by fan gamers, uh, people who who uh, used to make fan games for Sonic, and then yeah. they eventually became like the main devs uh, through through you know this whole story. Look it up if you're interested. But basically, um, I I can't wait to see what they do next. It's been four years, I think, since Mania, so it'll be good to see them like get to shine and make their own. Fran, uh, fresh game because I think one of the key criticisms to Mania is that like it plays very heavily on nostalgia, um, and like oh, definitely, I th- a majority, I think majority of it. In- oh, sorry, <laughs> no, sorry. I think I think we're more inclined to get another kind of uh, Mania game. To be honest, yeah, yeah, because it did so well, and um, as I was saying, like it plays so heavily into Nostalgia Mania, and that's good because it was like a celebratory title, and um, that what they did is they they like had old zones, but with like new um, or slightly different uh, approaches to them, and it was really cool. But I think it would be great to see what they can do if they made like a fresh, um, brand new, more original game. Um, in terms of three D Sonic, it would be very interesting to see what we get. Um, I hope, I hope to God. They make a good one. Um, I, I don't think 3D Sonic can really survive many more bad games uh, because, you know, making one good game per decade isn't like a, a long-standing strategy, <laughs> if I'm being perfectly honest. It's not the best track record, is it? No, no, like the 2010s were a little bit rough for Sonic. Um, the, the only, like, well-regarded, well-rounded game that basically everyone loved was Sonic Generations. Um, whereas, like, everything that came after that was Lost World, which wasn't very good, and Sonic Forces, which is kind of maligned. Um, it, you know, it'd be good to see them get their shit together. It really would be, because I think this franchise has a lot of potential. I think, um, you know, even even if they just gave us another port of Generations and made it more readily available, that'd be good too. But I, I generally think they should... Um, they they should just yeah give us give us something good but from what I understand they are taking their time a little bit more with these games and trying to give um, give a little more care to it so hopefully that uh, proves good in terms of results yeah hopefully that, hopefully that's more promising and we can actually get some decent games <laughs> I know it's very pessimistic like being a Sonic fan um, the, the, it's just you know when you've been burnt so many times before it's hard sometimes oh, yeah. to have hope. Um, that's how I feel when it comes to 3D Sonic, is that, like, it's gone wrong so often. <laughs> it really has, unfortunately, hasn't it? But, uh, let's, let's be optimistic. Let's, uh, let's hope the best for our little blue fairy friends. Exactly. And, you know, the movie went strong. The movie was doing well, so I reckon they're going to make some sequels to that, and uh, yes. we'll get more more of Speaking that. Speaking of the movie, they've actually started doing um, filming, well, they're meant to start filming in March for the second one. Ah, so there. that'll be something to look forward to. That won't be out for a couple of years, probably, but, yeah, we'll see how that goes, man. Like, the movie did well, and uh, I, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. Um... And finally, so what we decided is that we're probably going to finish off at June and then give you the second half of the anniversary, because there's so many, um, go through them in the next episode, just to give you a little bit of a breather. Sounds Sounds like a good plan. We don't want to overload our beloved listeners with us. Exactly. Um, So June, we have the 40th anniversary of Frogger. Um, to, to wrap things up with and I, I gotta say it's like uh, 
It's a franchise. <laughs> it's a franchise about a frog. It's, 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 an, it's an interesting one, because I've played it once or twice, but I don't think I've played it. Definitely not off the 2010 decade. Yeah, because, like, why so, would you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's unfortunately one of those things as an age well, and, like, for me, I always thought, as a kid, I always thought it was weird <laughs> that the frog was roughly the same size as one of the cars. <laughs> Well, I think we, we brought this up last time, but does Frogger count as a kaiju if it's as big as a car? I'd say so. It's basically a, a game about a kaiju kind of across the world. <laughs> and, you know, you'd think being a kaiju, it wouldn't have that many issues, like even if a car hits it. But no, no, it's still, it's as squishable as a normal frog. <laughs> um, Frogger, for, 40 years of Frogger, uh, I think this is from the original arcade versions, where... For, pe- mm-hmm. for people who haven't played it, like, you know, it's, it's there. It's uh, part of history, part of gaming history. It's 40 years. It's older than Mario. Um, you know, it's, it's in, it's, uh, it is reflective of its time. When it's, all, it's a simple game. Um, the, they did, like, make games later on, though. They made, like, games, the 3D platformers on the, free, on the PS1, which are very fucking weird. Um, I, I have to admit that's the only, that's one of the few that I've actually played in terms of Frogger is I played, like, Frogger 2 on the PS1, and it was very strange. Yeah. And, and it only gets weirder. Like, they make him look like that cinema frog, that singing cinema frog in the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's super weird. That's not what I kind of want to see in a game, uh, game character, to be honest. No, me neither, me neither. Um, but, yeah, man, do you have anything else to say as a 40th anniversary to Frogger in June? <laughs> Nothing particularly. No, I don't know it feels like we're ending. We're ending on a little I, I bit of a damn I don't, feel, I don't feel strong, strongly one way or another about this. Uh, this frog. No, me neither. To be honest, maybe we can become like an anti-frogger podcast. Maybe we do well that way. <laughs> Find our groove. Um, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I think that is a good place to wrap it. Like wrap that section up because, as we said, we don't want to just get, go through the whole year and we need to leave some for the next episode um so i guess uh we we naturally will move into our next segment uh i mean like really the the catch-up bit (laughs) we don't have a title for this one do we so normally normally we have titles for our segments whereas the catch-up doesn't have a title it's like we have amrix anime corner we have the news like the news basically and then the main stuff. But Actually, let's put out is it's Amrix Anime Roundup. Okay, um, why why the change? <laughs> I don't know. I think it sounds better. True, I guess so. But in my head, like you had one specific corner all to yourself. That was like, <laughs> if the podcast was a room, you get like one corner. <laughs> I feel like you just put me in the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, not. Like, I'm making you sit here now. <laughs> face, think, face, the wall. Anime. face the wall. Go face the wall. Think about, about the anime you want. <laughs> this is the one part of the podcast that you get the keys to. <laughs> so make it special. <laughs> um, um, so the catch up, what have you. What, what have you. Anything? <laughs> yeah, um, so I'm nearly done with Final Fantasy XV. I've been powering through. <laughs> So do, do you recall a few a few weeks ago I was talking about Final Fantasy XV and being a little bit negative? Um, I yeah. finally figured it out. So I wouldn't have carried on playing if I didn't generally want to finish the game. So, you know, excuse me for being a little bit negative back then. Um, so I finally figured out what my issue has been with this game from beginning to end. Uh, 
so Final Fantasy XV is an open world game set in the Final Fantasy universe, and the big problem I was having with it is that the story missions, the one that progress the story, are really good, but all of the side missions are fucking trash. That's what I realized. So when I first started playing the game and I was feeling really negative about it, it's because I was doing the side missions as I was going along and it would annihilate the pace that I was starting to build. So what would happen is I would do a story mission. I'd be like, oh, feeling really good. Then I do some side missions and I'm like, man, I hate this. I I fucking hate this. And this kind of, I was about to bring this up when we were talking about Breath of the Wild, um, but I thought it'd be better to just bring this up here. Open world games have this issue sometimes where they don't know what to give you to do on the side, so they just give you fetch quests. Fetch quests aren't good, um, is the best way to put it. So my breaking point with this game was where you go up to a lady, you talk to her a little bit, she she says some shit, and it's like, and the purpose of science, and you need to go get these, like, these frogs so you travel all the way out to this like obscure rock in the middle of a field and you have to run around this specific area looking for frogs and it took me 10 minutes to find the final frog because it just fucking wouldn't appear in the entire circle and the circle was too big like the area that it could possibly be in was too big and the whole time i was thinking to myself how can anyone get enjoyment out of this like how does anyone get get enjoyment out of uh, a, a quest like this where it, all you're doing is running around an area picking things up like, it didn't make sense to me and and that's what was really frustrating me because so many of the quests fall into that same design mentality of like go here get this get some of these go pick this up and then come back and give it to this person and it's like that is the worst type of side quest and the game is bloated with them the problem is that the the, the leveling system is like you get more experience for completing side quests than you do for killing things. And that's what kind of turned me off. Yeah, you do. Um, And that's what kind of turned me off in the end is because I was constantly under-leveled. So I would die with like within two hits because the combat system is a little bit weird and hard to get used to. Um, So it's only after I just solely started focusing on the story missions did I start getting like a bit of a rhythm to the game. Then I actually wanted to keep playing it. I... I was getting by. I played through all of the story missions. Yeah. I'm now at the final world, like the final boss. Um, but now I'm underleveled because I wasn't doing any of the side quests. <laughs> so that's, that's really that's really disappointing. I know. As a as like a total game mechanic, it's really so frustrating because now I have to go back and do a bunch of side quests just so I can level up, just so I can then go back and finish the fucking game, and it has killed the pacing completely. So I, I had a feeling I was a little bit underleveled when I was beating one of the bosses and it took me like 20 minutes because I was doing chit damage and it was getting really frustrating yeah. because every time they just do one attack and it would wipe you out and you'd have to keep healing yourself. Um, so 15 has a mechanic where when you lose all your health, um, you then enter like a stasis phase where like you're just limping and you can see your health going all, like slowly down and down and down and it says zero, but it's counting down kind of like earthbound. Um, and yeah. and in that time, you can get an item and heal yourself to keep yourself alive. Yeah. And I just end up rinsing, like, millions and millions of potions because you, I was just, like, every single time I took a hit, I would get one shot. And yeah. it was getting really frustrating, but I understand it's because I was underleveled. But at the same time, I was underleveled because half of the game is very boring. 
<laughs> um, and that sucks so bad. That, that does sound so... It just sounds tedious. That's, like, you don't want that in a game. You really don't want that in a game, and I wish, I wish they would get over this fucking final... Not Final Fantasy. They would get over this design mentality of, like, do this to, like, just go do this and pick shit up and bring it back and all of a sudden that's it's like i feel no sense of achievement from that do you like i don't feel achievement from going picking something up and bringing it to somebody and going yep that's that's a that's a quest like that wasn't a quest you just made me do a chore <laughs> i mean let's be honest that's basically what um a lot of drag um a lot of uh dungeons and dragons is there is but at least you've got that level off. You're playing with other people and it's enjoyable. You riff up future. Kind of thing. more often than not, right, they're revolved around going and, like, having to kill something in order to get it and having to do some combat in order to get it. This was, like, ex- this was cutting out the combat a lot of the time. And that's what was disappointing me. Because most games, of most open world games, a lot of games uh, revolve around um, you having to go and get something and, like, something is standing in your way. Whereas... This would be nothing is standing in my way, but I'd still have to go and find... And I don't like... In general, I don't like having to scavenge and, like, look around giant areas for, like, one specific thing. I think it is a time waste, and it's just not what I, like, enjoy doing. I like very action-heavy, frantic games, so it kills the pacing when you have to do stuff like that. And the, the, the kicker is, right... The kicker is that when it comes to that game, when you have to go and actually do the going for missions where you go and have to kill things, it's genuinely so much fun. And that's what sucks because you've got this um, juxtaposition of like the really, really good missions and the terrible missions and there's nothing in between. <laughs> that's, really, that's really sad, isn't it? But... It's disappointing more than anything because I have enjoyed my time with it overall. It's just now the ending is coming to a crawl because um, the design in general is just a little bit of a mess. And that sucks because I, I, I like that it kind of won me over um, com- compared to how it started. But at the same time, like, you're asking way too much of people like me or just general people who, who don't enjoy like the side quest mentality because it took me 10 hours to like fully get into this game and most people would have put it down by then. Yeah, props to you for soldiering on, because I definitely would have put it down. Yeah, it sucks, because, like, first 10 hours were a little bit of a drag. Second 10 hours were great. Really good stuff. And then now I'm in, like, the 20, like 22nd hour, and I'm like, ugh, just end already. That And I, I don't like it when games do that. Uh, and as in, I don't like it when I feel that way about games where I just kind of want it to be over, which sucks, because it defeats the purpose of playing a game, because you're doing it to... to you know, escape the tediousness and laboriousness of life. And now all of a sudden that <laughs> has become tedious and laborious. Um, so I don't know, man, like I, I will beat this game um, out of pure determination because I want to see the story to the end. I have enjoyed the story enough. I grew to like the characters. I grew to like, I think the world is absolutely amazing. Like how beautiful it is. And honestly, if you, if you get the chance, just look at like, gameplay of final fantasy 15 look at the world that they have created it is absolutely gorgeous um it is absolutely beautiful it's just yeah you know there are times where you think to yourself you kind of focused more on the artistic design and the the world rather than the gameplay sometimes and that's what kind of disappoints me a little bit but yeah i I will finish it i will beat it i have overall i would say i have enjoyed my time with it it just has its issues um 
And it makes me worried for Final Fantasy 16 when that comes out because I'm worried that they're going to make a, a similar sort of game. Mm, you're probably right. I mean, you could quite possibly be right. Um, didn't they just put a trailer up for 16 a few days ago? I don't think it has gameplay in it, though. Um, so they, I, don't, I don't think it had gameplay, actually, either. In the last couple of... In the last few... Um, weeks. I think they've released footage for 16, but they've also done footage for the expansion of 14. So, like, I don't know if you know this, but 14 is a MMO, and uh, it's been going. Yeah, that's that's what I saw. I saw the um, I saw the um, trailer for the the thing for the MMO. That's what I saw. Yeah. So the um, uh, 14 is the MMO, which um, is still going strong, and that's been going on since like 2013. And, um, yeah, that's got some new content. Because, like, I don't, I don't know if you're, like, familiar with, like, World of Warcraft and all that sorts of, those sorts of games. But oh, yeah. the way that they keep them alive is that they give people expansions over and over, over, like, a f- number of years. Mm-hmm. And that's how to keep people yeah. people engaged in their um, in their stuff. Um, and Final Fantasy... I mean, hey, it works. It works, exactly. It works. MMOs are big, are really big if you have a... And I, they're a very fun time if you have, like, a community to play with. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know... Fucking Mr. Lonely Pants over here. I'm never gonna get into something like that because <laughs> you, you you need like the friendship group to be into it. If you know what I mean. Definitely. Yeah. It's hard to I get mean, into it I've, alone. I've, I've played like RuneScape in the as a kid, but mm. I don't think it's something that I could definitely play now. To be honest. No, I I wouldn't be able to unless like we all got into it as a group. But it's so hard to orchestrate unless everybody's into it to begin with. If you know what I mean. And then I'm sure it's like 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 how we play D and D. Um, everyone's excited for the next session, but yeah. to to get it off the ground, it seems like a lot of work. Especially for for like for for like if you take our friends for example, like who else is into Final Fantasy? I don't know, and I wouldn't know how to orchestrate that. Um, and also, I don't know if I would like the um, the MMO gameplay. And you have to rely on your friends having like game consoles, and you know it's it's a lot of setup is the best way to put it. It's a lot of setup. It definitely for... is. I mean, to be honest, it's something I enjoyed as a child, but I don't think as an adult you could actually get into it. No, no, I don't think as an adult. I think it's one of those things which, if I had the right group, I would really love. But um, and I'd probably like sink thousands of hours into it, but. Me being me and not really having that, it's like, you know, you you just kind of focus more on the single player experiences. Um, but yeah, man, like Final Fantasy, it'll be interesting to see where they go. At the end of the day, um, most of the games are available on like the new platforms, so I'm not too fussed about not liking the new ones because I can always go back to the old ones. And I I still stand by my my sort of attitude change. Is that like the the 2000s the games that go from the 2000s um i'm just not as into and if i'm being honest like persona kind of takes over um as like my main yeah. series once the 2000s happen because uh, final fantasy 10 is like the last final fantasy that i love like like that i would yeah. say i absolutely love and that was to the year 2000 that came out um and then like these Persona games started in, like, 2003, the um, Persona 3, for example. So I, if I'm being honest, I think that kind of has, like, taken its place from that period. Whereas in terms of, like, 90s RPGs, um, out of no, nothing will ever beat Final Fantasies uh, 7, 9, um, 6 for me. 
But yeah, um, do you have a plan on playing those ones? Like, do you have a plan on... Because, you know, they're very accessible. Do you have a plan on playing, like, 7 or 9 or um, giving it a go? Um, I think eventually I will get around to actually playing the series. I mean, like, you've talked quite passionately about it. Mm. And given what you've said, and to be honest, I've seen people blog about it and talk about it quite a bit. So I most likely will eventually give those... Um, games a, a try. I mm. mean, I've got such a massive backlog to get through. Yeah. But to be honest, I'm just kind of waiting for finally get that decent TV so I can really appreciate all these games with their amazing, amazing graphics and everything. That's very true. Because one thing I've noticed about playing playing with a TV with that's just like native 1080p. Mm. Um, unfortunately, like there's a fair bit of input lag. Oh yeah, yeah, that's frustrating. And like doing anything can get really quite frustrating, or just like. Yeah, it's it's not great. No, that'd be very annoying in like a Mega Man game, um, but like everything's precision based or Crash Bandicoot would be very frustrating. You um, you might be worth. It might be worth if you have like if and whilst you're waiting for that TV, it might be worth playing the older Final Fantasies. Then to be honest, like the the PS One ones, because they're not going to be, they're not going to be requiring you to play. If anything, they'd look worse on a new TV. <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right, to be honest. I'm like, the pl- polyg- polygonal art style, and, like, it, the, they they suit being in handheld because the resolution is lower, um, but those games were yeah. built for CRT TVs. They're not... Like, when you blow them up on a normal TV, they look really bad, mm. um, similar to, like, how a lot of the Mega Man X games do on um, the Legacy Collection. But, yeah. yeah, man, I'd recommend... I'd highly recommend um, playing through 7 and 9 as, like, if I was going to give you a priority... Those two, because they're on the okay. Switch, are very easy to get. And plus, you when you play them, you have, like, boosters available to you. Um, so you can play them at, like, times three speed and stuff. It's really good. Like, a great way to experience it. You can put it in, you can put it to sleep so you don't have to, like, always find a save point. I think, um, yeah. Yeah, I, if you ask me to decide between the two games, I wouldn't be able to. Like, I often flip-flop between which one is my favorite, seven or nine. Um, okay. But... Uh, I guess to to give you like a, a brief understanding, seven is more f- uh, like futuristic, edgy, and nine is like more uh, regal and um, and and uh, what do you got? You like Shakespearean? I think is the best way to put it. Kind of kind of medieval. Yeah, medieval Shakespearean is very Shakespearean. Um, like for example, there's like a play at the center of it called uh, My Fair Canary and stuff like that. It's really, it's, it's, um, nine for me was like more of a, once I finished it, I was like very emotionally attached to it, if you know what I mean. Seven was like, I want to play more of this because the gameplay is so good. Um, but nine was like, I feel more about it, if you know what I mean. The story and okay. the, the characters. Kind of evokes more of a kind of emotional kind of feeling. Yes. And nine is still to this day has my favorite but like protagonist of any RPG I've ever played, which is Zidane. Um, it's because uh, Final Fantasy is different to like most of the other games we played in the sense that the, the protagonists aren't silent most of the time. Um, they they yeah. are people, <laughs> is the best way to put it. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, I don't have anything against the silent protagonist thing, but I don't love it um, because 
I, the, the idea behind asylum protagonists is that you're you're able to relate to that person and put yourself in their position whereas i yeah. i relate to them more if i know they have their own personality if you know what i mean like i can i i it's like watching a tv show if the main character was always silent i wouldn't think oh they're just like me i'd think this guy isn't fucking reacting to things and is kind of off-putting it's like the main yeah i mean like the majority of games i've played the like RPGs I've played particularly it's always been the silent protagonist it's like do you know what where I found that really frustrating um Mother 3 because of how emotionally devastating everything is around Lucas for Lucas Mm. to be silent kind of kills like I didn't think, oh, um, I'm Lucas in this situation. I thought, man, fucking react. Like, this is horrible. What's happening to you? Like, react. Do you know what I mean? You want to you wanna see how he's feeling, but he's, like, silent. And it, it sucks. Did you, did, you finish, did you finish it? Yeah, um, I did. I, I did end up playing three. I played three. I haven't played, like, Earthbound, though. <laughs> You should you should play um, Earthbound because that is just fantastic. Yeah, I I will do at some point. Now it's not because I've got it on the, the um. I'm so a part of me is waiting for it to go on NSO so I can play it on handheld as well. Yeah, because <laughs> I know it will well, eventually, um, and then I can put more time into it. Whereas at the moment playing, I it mean, on, you you have got it. On, you have got it with DDS. I have. May, may I remind you? Yeah, I do, but um, preferably I'll put. I can get it on a Switch so I can put it to sleep whenever I want. Well, technically, you do that with the 3DS. Yeah, I don't know. I just prefer the Switch. <laughs> like, this, that's is the best way to put it. I just prefer the Switch. Like, it's the reason why yeah. I still own certain games on both, because uh, because of being able to switch between the TV and handheld. It's just very convenient. <laughs> no, that's quite true. That is quite true. So I think when, when it's on NSO, plus it has a rewind feature just in case, you know what I mean? Like, it's very, very useful. Um, it's like, oh, shit, I accidentally, I accidentally, like, attacked my own teammate. Let me just quickly rewind that because I did that by accident. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I don't know, man. The silent protagonist, it's a thing that's been as, as, as old as time. But um, with, with Final Fantasy, the protagonists emote, and I feel like that makes it a bit easier to get drawn into them, you know what I mean? Like... Zidane specifically um, is because he's a 14-year-old boy and he acts like it, you know? Like, the characterization is really good. Um, he, he, like, flirts with all of the people and he's uh, really cheeky and it's great. Like, I think he's, he's a great character and that's probably why I like him the most because it's like, yeah, no, you know, if I, was, if I was 14 and in this setting, then I would also be like that, you know? And he's very charming and I think that's the best way to put it. Well, that's quite cool, actually, yeah. But yeah, man. Um, but yeah, in in terms of uh, catch up, like, what have you been up to in terms of playing and watching stuff? Oh, uh, so, did you watch One Division? I just realised. Yes, I've watched the latest episode this week as well. Okay, cool. Um, shall we? Because I am assuming this will be quite a hefty topic. Shall we leave One Division for Wednesday? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Sounds yes, because I feel like we're going to need a while for this because that's five episodes to catch up on. Um, so aside yeah. aside from that, um, what what else have you been doing? Like, so mainly been watching anime. I finished all of season one of Doctor Stone, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've started watching a new series. Um, I forget what it's called in Japanese, but the English is basically the time I got reincarnated as a slime. Is that um, based off of Dragon Quest? No, not well. 
it has some kind of like uh, kind of RPG kind of aspects to it. Mm-hmm. But it's basically a guy gets in the first three minutes of the anime, he gets stabbed, dies, <laughs> and he gets reincarnated as a slime in the, a new world, in a in a rather fantasy fantasy based world. So it's quite interesting. It's quite unique. Um, I'm only two, one episode in, so I'm quite interested to see where where it kind of takes this. Um, hmm. It's got quite a big fan following, so it sounds like it's going to be quite promising. Yeah, so uh, talking about reincarnation, just to stop you there. Uh, talking about reincarnation, to tell you my conspiracy theory of the week is that um, that? is that Tupac was reincarnated as Parappa the Rapper after I found out that like Parappa was released like a month after Tupac died. <laughs> in 1996 really? yeah Tupac oh died in God. September 96 Parappa the Rapper was um, was released on the Playstation in uh, December 96 so I don't know man like it just seems too convenient not to be true <laughs> I mean it'd be weird to think that uh, Tupac's just trapped on this like Playstation <laughs> disc I'm a cartoon dog Sorry, yeah, oh, sorry, so you, we're in your anime... What, 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 what a way to like spend the rest of your days just trapped on a PlayStation disc. So what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> punch, kick, punch, kick. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, God, some of the, some of the, like, the images from Parappa the Rapper are quite disturbing. Ah, uh, yeah. Have you ever played it? It's, um, it's very difficult. Like, it's probably one of the hardest rhythm games I've ever played because the, the beats are, like, a little bit... The beats come in a lot faster than like a normal game, um, so it's like it doesn't give you very much time to play with before you have to start pressing buttons. It's hard to explain because you have to actually like play it yourself. But if you know what I mean, like ugh. it's uh, definitely it's like the first ever ever rhythm game um, that started off this whole dance dance revolution and all that shit. Uh, but yeah, sorry, we're well, back back in your anime corner. Um, your anime roundup, sorry. So you have been, you've actually finished the season one of that. Is there any, I mean, anything else from that? Um, that's why I'm trying to finish through Rurouni um, Kenshin. But to be honest, once it's kind of, it, it's finished the uh, Kyoto arc, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of gone back to the day-to-day lives of these people and it's rather boring. So I'm kind of struggling <laughs> to finish it. Is it the, like, the school dance arc equivalent from My Hero Academia, basically? Basically, yes, but it's their daily life, and they're just, like, not doing much. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, I'm interested for, like, the action to, like, pick up again, because, like, the last arc was fantastic. I mean, generally speaking, like, this Rurouni Kenshin, it's a shonen jump anime, mm-hmm. um, and so it's been quite well received, several video games, several movies, and it's, he's, he's a, he is in Jump Force, um, but, yeah. Kind um, Rurouni or Kenshin? Rurouni Kenshin, both of them. Okay. Same person. Same person. Okay. Same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a... I mean, like, generally it's a good series. Yeah. I mean, I'm just waiting, like I said, just waiting for the action to pick up back up again. Hmm. I might give it a go at some point. I have such a backlog when it comes to anime. But I will... Yes, you do. I will get through all of them at some point. It's just very difficult to dedicate yourself sometimes to anime. Um, and, like, sitting down and watching stuff... <laughs> I but mean, who will? Um, I mean, I watch like considering I watch like three or four episodes a day. So wow, you have more concentrate. Like I don't have the concentration span um, 
to sit down and watch stuff very much. It's, it's, it's like it has to be something I'm already really invested in for me to like, which is stupid because it means that I very rarely get into new things. Um, but for me, it's like a novelty to do something without also doing a separate task at the same time, which sounds like the um, I mean, the musings of a crazy person now that I say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you if you manage to get through um, something like Yu Yu Hakusho, yeah. which was mixed at best, um, <laughs> you could probably do better to watch a decent decent series. I think. Did you not? Did you think you, you, I, I thought Yu Yu was pretty fun. It was more fun I mean, than like it was good quality. You know what I mean? Like it was. Uh, it I was mean, a like fun the series. First, the first, the first few arcs are good, but then it just gets kind of tepid, as yeah. I'm concerned. I remember really liking the first couple of arcs and not liking the Black Pages one and then not really caring for the Free Kings one. So, yeah, I know what you mean. It is mixed. Like, that is a definition of mixed. If if two of the arcs are good and two of the arcs are kind of boring. Um, yeah. But it's more... It's more fun. Like, I thought the one of the... The appeal of Yu Yu, fucking hell! I feel like the main appeal of Yu Yu for me was the uh, the the characterizations and like the the way they interact mm-hmm. with each other and stuff. I always had a, a lot of fun with that because um, the characters are so yeah. over the top in each of their archetypes. Um, but the reason why I could focus on Yu Yu was it was I used to watch it like before going to sleep, and I used to sit there in bed with it on the laptop watching it. Um, whereas like I don't do that anymore ever since I started working. Because it's not a good habit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's how, that's how I'm pretty much like good. I watch like a few episodes before I go to sleep, then I'll just read in bed. Oh, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I'd say like, uh, have you got anything else in terms of the catch up? In terms uh, of not really. I'm like, I do plan to watch uh, maybe Attack of Titan next. Attack on Titan, I think. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what to watch after that. To be honest, um, I think I might look into. There's a series called Level E. Um, which was made by the same guy that wrote Yu Yu Hakusho, same guy who wrote Hunter Hunter. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of I might look into that because it's only a it's only a thirteen episode series. Okay, you should catch up on Digimon and then we can talk about it. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, I should actually watch Digimon. It's but, getting, yeah, that's it's getting really really good actually, as well. So. Like the arcs are actually really fucking great now, and um, and even now, like it's like forty episodes in, but. It's um it's building towards some really cool stuff and the pacing's so much better than the original series. So I would highly recommend if you ever get the chance, um, if you're looking for something new, then maybe we can do like a big review of Digimon at the end. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I might I might I might look into that actually. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, you know, we have an episode planned on Wednesday to sort of compensate for the fact that we didn't really do one for two weeks. So mm-hmm. This might be a good place to leave it because we have um, we have talked for a fair bit today about a lot of different stuff. So I guess we'll catch up with the rest of you guys on Wednesday um, or Thursday yeah. because we're going to be recording on Wednesday. But yeah, um, you know, if you're okay to wrap up. Yep, awesome. So sounds good to me. So please tune in again for Thursday where we cover uh, the rest of the anniversaries for the coming for for this year. Exactly. Uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to be back again. And please follow us on Twitter. We have a twit. And we do. It's um tr- train. What's it again? Pod toa. It's pod toa. It's pod toa. Yeah, so pod toa. Follow us on Twitter. Or send us like, an email. Do, at, do yourself a favor. Send send us an email on our Gmail at um or was it train of ambivalence pod at gmail dot com. 
So man, that's long as hell. As long as hell. I mean, I'd understand if your if your fingers were too tired by the end of typing out that thing to actually write out the full email. Um, the so this next episode we're going to be carrying on as Emric just said with the the rest of the the anniversaries as well as give a a pretty in depth sort of like impressions and review of what we've had so far on Wonder Vision. Um, so definitely tune in. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Uh, thank you again for listening. We hope you have a great day and take care. All right. Thanks again. I'll see you on Thursday. Great. Take care, guys. Bye.